We're on? Yeah, Yay. we're on the internet. We're Ooh. good. Yeah, we're good to go. Let's I'm just trying go. to think. Okay, there we go. I got all the uh, all the research that we did on John. It's right here. Got the documents. I see you it. got those. You got those emailed to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I know everything. I know what we're going to talk about. Mm. That was weird when he was seven. We're going to expose. <laughs> Fuck, man. We're going to expose him. <laughs> no, that's, that story is off the table. <laughs> that's why. Oh, that's why we invited you on. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure out. We'll figure out something. Those, those seagulls will never be the same. Oh, that's that's probably a true statement. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what did you do to the seagulls? Don't worry about it. Okay. Well, I'll tell you after. All right. All they right. eat McDonald's. I mean, how bad? You know how how much worse can it get? Right. Mm. Anyway, we're here with uh, one of the strongest athletes currently in the world, and arguably, arguably one of the strongest powerlifters. The world's ever seen, even if that makes you uncomfortable. I think uh, the numbers speak for themselves, and people can uh, do the mathematical equation and kind of decide uh, for themselves. No disrespect to our boy, Ed Cohn, but the stuff that you're doing right now, man, it's on the level. People got to at least admit and recognize it's at least getting close to the level, or it's at least on the level of Ed Cohn. Uh, yeah, it's cool to... Finally started to see my name like in that conversation. Uh, I think the 1,000 kilo and 90 kilo, kilogram body weight really kind of put me over the edge of like, okay, he's he's getting there. Like, I, I definitely don't think I'm there yet. I'm not an Ed Cohen, but I think if I were to like retire now, I would be at least kind of one of the guys that like people who got into lifting now would look back and talk about. I think, uh, you know... The powerlifting and a lot of sports were just so different back then. And so like when Ed Cohn was competing, there was mainly like, especially in Ed, in the beginning of Ed Cohn's career, he'd only go to like the IPF, mm-hmm. you know, he would compete mm-hmm. in like one particular federation. Um, and actually there was uh, like the, the uh, US APL used to be the, U- <laughs> Fuck, I forget all these different uh, acronyms. Mm-hmm. Um but it used to be the ADFPA, which is actually where I started in, which was a drug-free uh, powerlifting federation. But even before that, there was just powerlifting, mm-hmm. and there was no drug-free. There was no drug tested. And then uh, somewhere down the line, somebody said, hey, this is not really looking right. <laughs> I'm tired of uh, getting slaughtered, or or I think this is unfair. And then they started to split the federations up. But But anyway, the point is, is when Ed Cohen was competing, and when from some people from the 70s, 80s, even kind of like early 90s were competing, there was less federations and it was less confusing on who was the best. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, especially like around the time that the um, U.S., <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the name of the one of the main federations? Uh, USPA, USAPL, WRPF. <laughs> I think the USPA, around the time that they started, because they were newer. Yeah. They they broke off of another federation, and because they were newer, everything was a record, you know, a state record, a national record. And so it took a while for uh, some of these newer federations to be established, took a while for the all-time world records being broken in some of those federations to really be legitimate because they were new and there was new categories, you know. So people were, you know, breaking masters, 44, 40 to 44 <laughs> record uh from California type of thing. And that was going on for a while until nowadays it's more established and we're starting to see some really amazing lifts from a lot of lifters uh, around the world. But I guess that's what makes the comparison so difficult is that when you think back to some of those old school power lifters, 
they went to kind of one, they went to a couple big contests every year. Mm -hmm. And that's where all, you knew all the heavy hitters were going to be there. Like you knew that Bill Kazmaier and Ed Cohn were going to be at the same contest. Yeah. I think we're, uh, I think we're getting back to that now because um, like, obviously there's the, the IPF, the USAPL, the drug tested side, but the, um, the untested side, we're getting a lot more of like money meets. So you're going to get like the top guys, you know, like I'm going to show if, like the showdown, you're going to have like myself, Chad Penson, Jamal Browner. Mm. Uh, Dan Bell is kind of retiring now, but uh, he would have been at them too. Um, so now like winning that meet actually carries some weight versus like, oh, I did a backyard meet and hit a really big number. I think it's just carries more weight to do it at like the showdown. I think another big difference is people didn't used to really retire because they would just like lift until they couldn't lift anymore. And also, um, you know, uh, some of these savage lifters of the past, they're like insurance salesmen you know, or <laughs> they had, you know, some other type of job and, and lifters today, they have, there's a lot of lifters that have jobs and families, but for the majority of what I was experiencing when I was competing, is uh, most of the individuals didn't have a typical nine to five job. And most of them, if not almost all of them, it was very rare that they were married. It was very rare that they had children. Not that you can't do those things, <laughs> but it just throws another wrinkle into it. But nowadays with like social media, I think somebody can build up and then they can kind of take like, hey, I already did all this stuff. Like our boy, Big Ray, like he could just kind of move on and like do other shit. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to follow uh, whatever the hell he does because he's so popular. He's lifted some crazy weights. Uh, hopefully that guy doesn't need to have a real job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, actually, I uh, posted something about uh, like I saw, I saw a condom on the ground at uh, one of the factories I worked at and uh, a bunch of people were so like taken back by the fact that I actually have a nine to five job. Um, I like, I could, they're like, you work in a factory. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're like industrial laundry plants and I do the chemistry for them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a chemist by trade and <laughs> not, not quite like Your stories getting awfully mm. peculiar. Yes. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people are like, Oh, like you actually work for a living. Like, yeah. I mean, I could live off of just sponsorships and, um, like winnings from meets, but I think I would get bored with that, to be honest. It makes sense, though. It's yeah. like, that looks like a Hydra logo on your hat. <laughs> Remember what Captain America, what happened to him on Hydra? Super serum. I see what's going on mm -hmm. here. He's a chemist, Hydra. How'd you get into chemistry? Did you like, um, you have like a superhero story? Did you like fall into like some <laughs> fucking plasma or something? No, it's actually uh, a super nerdy story. I got into chemistry because... I was in an AP chem class in high school, and our science Olympiad team needed someone from the chemistry. Science Olympiad <laughs> team. <Sick. Yeah. laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, like, I'll do it. It'll get on my resume. And then ended up taking, like, there's like a state competition. I took fourth in it. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm, I'm good at chemistry. Like, I'll stick with this. Wow. Yeah. Has that kind of stuff just always clicked well for you? And is it uh, hereditary in some way, you think? Um, I don't know if I'd say, like, it it has like clicked very well. Um, like compared to my siblings, I have a sister and a brother. We kind of joke that uh, I'm the blue collar. My brother's like the white collar. Like he he did really well with like reading, literature, um, geography, kind of stuff like that. Whereas I did a lot more of like uh, science and math, mm -hmm. 
And then my sister was kind of like a balance between the two. Before we continue down that route, I want to know, because some people are probably looking up the numbers. When we were talking about Ed Cone, Mm -hmm. right, the goat, and yourself, right, you've probably thought about what would be the numbers needed to potentially put you over. Mm -hmm. What would, what, what is, do you have that goal? Is there a goal there? Is there some numbers that you need to be able to potentially? Uh, uh, It's it's tough because I think it's kind of like a conversation of like LeBron versus Michael Jordan where like, there's nothing like LeBron can do that you wouldn't still have a very large group of people saying like, oh, Michael Jordan is better. Mm-hmm. So I think like no matter what, I'll never be able to like surpass Ed Cohen. But I think there's like numbers I can hit to like put me in the conversation. Um, I think like uh, maybe we talked about like a 800 squat, 600 bench, 900 deadlift mm-hmm. and 90 would be um, a really big one. How close are you to that? Uh, what is that? That's 13 more pounds on your deadlift. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm close on bench and deadlift, but mm-hmm. squats got take, a ways to go. Might, might take a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, Ed Cohn's done some ridiculous stuff in the gym. Have you, <clears throat> I'm sure you've seen some of the training footage. Have you ever just thought of like, I don't know, let me just during this training cycle, let me just go for some of these lifts or you don't want to get too outside of what you normally focus on. Um, I mean, I've kind of played around with, uh, like some stiff bar deadlifts to kind of emulate that. But, uh, I don't, I don't look at it as like individual lifts and like, or gym lifts and think mm-hmm. I want to hit those. Maybe, maybe when I get up to like 220 and I'm more like in his weight class. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. That's another thing to think about is he was, uh, heavier and shorter. <laughs> oh, that little, God. that little motherfucker. <laughs> I don't think I could ever match like his, his squat numbers. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was one of a kind, but you, you know, you see like really weird, unique stuff from that guy. Like his arms are really long. Mm -hmm. And so people were like, oh, Ed never really benched that much. But some of the competitions that he did where he broke all time world records in total, he, the only thing he wore was a squat suit and knee wraps. He didn't wear a bench shirt. He didn't wear anything on the deadlift and he still went out and like murdered everybody. And I think that people forget, I believe his best bench press, like in, at least in training, was like a 585 bench press. There's video footage of him benching 555 for a double uh, with a close grip. But I think that you have lifted more than that. I'm not sure about your competition bench, uh, where that's been. Uh, my best gym bench is 584. <sighs> and then I tried to touch and go 600, and it was not close. It was a no-go. It was a no-go. But uh, I have a bet going with, um, if you know... Pull my beard on Instagram. Yeah. Ty, he, uh, we have a bad. Uh, he's fun. First of all, yeah, he's a really fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to laugh, go to his Instagram. Go to his page, please. <laughs> uh, but, or if you're questioning your sexuality, maybe. Still, <laughs> yes. So you, <laughs> but, uh, we have a, we have a bad going though. Mine is always in question. For, for, first one to hit 600, the loser has to get their nipple pierced. Mm. So. Oh, hope, wow. Yeah. You better hurry, bro. Cause I know, he's getting close. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Damn. So you mentioned something in the gym that I, and maybe I haven't asked this question enough, but I think I have. And, uh, you know, I owned a magazine company called Power Magazine for years where I interviewed the top powerlifters um, every single month for years on end, uh, rubbed elbows with many all-time world record holders, and they're all a little, a little bit different. Um, but I have not heard one of them say what you said to me in the gym today, and I think it's really interesting. I said, how often do you miss a lift? 
And I sat back and I was like, he's going to say what I think he's going to say. He's going to say, I never miss a lift because I lift with perfect form. It's all about technique, bro. And uh, the technique police are not in your uh, training program. You don't mind missing a lift here or there. Uh, yeah, I'll usually miss, like during a prep, uh, I hit like a, a single on squat bench deadlift every week. And I typically end up missing one on each of the lift during uh, maybe not squat so much more so bench and deadlift but i usually miss one during a prep it's just usually i go in with a, a number in my mind and for the most part i can kind of guess right about like how it's going to feel that day but sometimes i get too into that number and i know i'm off mentally that day but you know still don't want to be a bitch I think it says some interesting things about your personality. You know, number one, you're not afraid to go for it, which is really cool. Do you know in advance that you're going to go that heavy or no? Uh, usually. So I kind of, I write out like a training plan for 12 weeks. Um, like when I do, I, I start with like what I want to hit for that, that meet. <laughs> I just picture it and it's super simple. It just says like deadlift and it says heavy. And the next <laughs> week it says heavier and then heavier the well, next week. Well, it's funny because like all, all I write out actually is like the singles and then I kind of like wing it on the rep days. Um, I kind of have like a general idea like, oh, I want to do like a three by eight for like four weeks. And You're like, frustrating so many people. There's so many people <laughs> yeah, right seriously. now that, that started out with a pen and they just threw it across the room like, fuck, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Guys winging shit. Yeah. But like I, I, I know pretty well at this point. Like I've been training since I was 10. I know how much I'm going to like put on from like train cycle to train cycle. So I can kind of have an idea of like, all right, this is what I want to hit at this meet. I'll probably be able to do it. Um, this is what I need to hit like three weeks out, four weeks out to kind of like. It's just so fascinating up. too, because you're a chemist and you're, but also you're super simple in the sense that you're like, when you said put on, you mentioned to me in the gym that you were talking about putting on your own body weight, mm -hmm. but probably just in your head, you're like, Huh. If I gain like four to six pounds, I'm going to be exponentially a little heavier. And you're kind of uh, expecting that outcome to come as you're going through your training prep. Uh, as you're lifting heavier and heavier weights, your body's going to respond to it more. You're probably eating more food and you're getting a little bigger. Yeah. You, well, usually it's more so like water weight from uh, gaining on like Anadrol. Mm. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 not we'll we'll go down that path. But this is really fucking cool because, number one, Mark mentioned that um it is something interesting that like you might miss a few lifts during a training cycle. Mm -hmm. One thing that's, that's odd is like when people miss lifts, it gets in their head and they're in their next training sessions. So maybe they're like, just not feeling it because they missed that lift. Mm -hmm. Do you tend to just like be like, ah, okay, that was a mistake. Forget it and go on to the next one. And then also in terms of how you're setting things up right now, how do you feel that people sometimes overcomplicate their training? Um, so the first point, um, I guess, I'll kind of get into my head if I'm like feeling good that day and I still, and I'm like confident and I still miss it, mm -hmm. then it'll kind of like weigh on me, but I'm pretty good then adjusting my training plan to how I, how like that day went. Yeah. Um, like when I write out the plan, the plan, those singles, it's kind of like a rough estimate. Mm -hmm. And then if sometimes I get a little bit ahead of schedule, like I'll be like, Oh, I have to hit like five fifty bench today, but I hit five fifty and it moved crazy well so i'm like okay i'll go 563 mm -hmm. um and then like i'll just everything else up five kilos the rest of the prep or the opposite well i'll be like ooh, like last warm up at like 500 felt a little rough maybe i'll only go 540 and then i pull back a little bit but um 
like if I go into it being like, all right, I'm going to hit like 800 on deadlift for like a set of three. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm feeling really good today. Like I'm going to kill this. And then like 800 screw to the floor. Then I'm, then I'm a little bit like, Oh, like what, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and then other times if I'm kind of like, all right, I'm supposed to hit 800 for three, but I'm pretty drained from last workout. I didn't sleep that well. I didn't eat that well. Um, and then like 800 school, I'll kind of be like, ah, I can, I can chalk that up to like no sleep and stuff like that. How do you salvage these days? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like something shitty's happening or let's say you pull, you mentioned that oftentimes after your last warm up, you'll take a pretty big jump. So maybe you have, I don't know, seven plates on there and it's 700 something pounds if you're using kilos or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just go right from that right into your working set of 815 pounds or something. Or, or I'm sorry, you're, you're pulling that last warm up and you're like, fuck man, that that's not moving well. Do you just abandon the plan a little bit or do you still go for it? How do you kind of moderate that? Um, it kind of depends. Like, honestly, like from the social media side, I'll be like, if like the last warm up felt a little rough, I'll maybe take like a smaller jump to hit something where I can like mm, I can video this and I'll like <laughs> I can post it. But, Gives you confidence. Yeah. Um but if I'm like if I'm feeling good, didn't like or if I if I like take the big jump, miss the top set, sometimes I'll hit my like drop downs, other times I'll just kinda be like, All right, I'm I'm feeling very drained today, like I'm just gonna like hang out and just talk with friends but not really andrew i interrupted you there no you you kind of took the uh the wind out my sails i was gonna ask like you know when you do miss a lift like what do you learn from it like what's the the main thing that you kind of you get out of it whereas most people like in sema said they just get all frustrated and kind of like i don't know they whine in the corner of the gym all by themselves but (laughs) for you when you do miss it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal so like what do you think you take out of it the most um I don't know if I like learn too much out of it now because I've just been doing it for so long. So like, I feel like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of tough. It's just like, maybe, maybe just, it's usually more so something to do with like my recovery that I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll be like, Oh, I, I messed that up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think over the years that that's, you just answered it though. You just kind of don't even take anything out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's (laughs) fucking huge. You just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. You know, think less. (laughs) But you're, uh, as we as you're sitting there, um, we've had many people on the show who are built. We've had great bodybuilders and great people. But don't you kind of think that he just looks different? I mean, do you do you see how like I mean he he, <laughs> I mean I don't mean to like embarrass you, but you're just you're so thick, thick and so like well put together that it's like it's like uh, it's overkill. <laughs> you know, like, but you're fucking jacked beyond belief. But this is the thing. Like when I look at him, okay. So when I look at you, it's like you're very thick, but nothing is like out of proportion like some guys like they're fucking they're coming and their backs are like here and like their legs yeah okay right they look weirdly action they have a, a weird physique and they're like not they don't have good posture and stuff. yeah he looks yeah. look aesthetic he, he could he looks like he can walk normally and he looks like normally just built thick right but everything's <laughs> like there it. it's it's nothing's out of this proportion. Great. We're totally embarrassing mm-hmm. yeah I've booty's I've kicking too, by the way. Well, did you see the you see the booty he's, he's walking mm-hmm. around with over here? Can you turn it real quick, Those, John? That's America's <laughs> ass. <laughs> that's America's ass. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you are real, like really well proportioned. Do you work on accessories a lot? I assume or not? No, not really. Oh wow, you're killing a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> like I, uh, you're making people angry. I, just, John. I, I joke with my friends like uh, 
I was like, if I hit like, I, I'll, I'll hit, I'll hit my, my like my biannual set of curls every year just to get the biceps. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Let's All just right. take a moment of silence on the show here for a second and uh, memorialize all the people that just died from that comment. <laughs> like, like, uh, for, like my biceps, I get enough stimulus just from like doing uh, like back workouts. Dude. Yeah. Like, I don't hit any Golly. isolation stuff. I mean, but. as I'm looking at you, to embarrass you further, you're very, like, 3D. Like, there's a front delt yes, going on that's very a... clear. There's a fucking bicep that's slapped together right there and a <laughs> tricep that's slapped together. And then he's got, like, crazy, like, rear delt and back and lats and chest. And it's just fucking... It's it's awesome. And And what I think is really cool about it is... I don't think there's been like a deliberate concentration on like, oh, I'm going to do this isolation exercise for my shoulder. I'm going to do this movement for my rear delts. Like you're not you're not sitting there uh, hours on end pulling a band apart, probably um, or doing not that you don't do any of those exercises and exercises. And it's not that you haven't done those in the past, but probably just the staticness of holding the position for a bench press three times a week handling heavy squats, handling heavy deadlifts. A lot of these things are probably the things that made you. So you didn't even necessarily have to concentrate and say, I'm going to get super jacked. You just concentrated probably more so, I don't put words in your mouth, probably more so on, I'm just going to figure out a way to get really fucking strong. Is that kind of how it unpacked for you? Yeah, for sure. So like, um, I think a lot of people start with the training of like, I want to be like jacked. I want to be like more of a bodybuilder. I always had the focus of wanting to be the strongest. So I never really did like, oh, I'm going to do like a chest day or a leg day. It was always like, I'm going to do a bench day or a squat day. And it was kind of like, what's going to get me a stronger squat or stronger, stronger bench? Even when you were a kid? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like I, I was more interested in like, what could I, what could I bench versus like wanting to look jacked? All right. You're just, from, yeah, I think you mentioned you're from Wisconsin. Yes. And that's, so that's where your family is from. And mm-hmm. Did you grow up there till you're what teenager or something like that? Or uh, I lived there until last year. Oh, yeah. and you started lifting when you're ten. How did how did lifting at ten is uh, that's early? How did that happen? Um, I got a I asked for a weight set for my tenth birthday, and then um, I used my allowance to buy like a little multi bench station, <laughs> and basically uh, would go and hit like fifty pounds for thirty reps every morning before. Going to just like bench the bar or something like that. It was, it was fifty. Uh, it was like a twenty pound bar with mm. then um, do like yeah like a set of thirty and then go and beat the calves. Any idea like where the idea came from? Uh, actually, watching uh, like World's Strongest Man, mm. like uh, Marius Pujanowski. <laughs> We're like, was anyone concerned? Well, your parents like, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. You know, this is that's great that you want to exercise, but this is a little bit weird. Ah. <laughs> uh, they never told me about it. Yeah. Probably, they probably were, but I mean, it worked out well. So <laughs> he mentioned something there. He mentioned um, bench fifty pounds or thirty reps, and then go and feed the calves. I don't. Yeah. I think we just kind of skipped over that. So it was a farm. Yeah, dairy farm. Dairy farm. Oh, I thought he meant like he's like doing like uh, donkey Half calf work. races. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You feed the calves. All right. So like we we were kind of talking about this before the podcast, but working on a farm that probably had a lot of that probably had a big change in terms of your just development right physically i think so i think like um if you've ever like shook hands with a farmer or yes. like uh like i uh my my school was like we had a pretty good wrestling team but if you like wrestled like the smaller schools with like that had the farm kids just 
something about them like they didn't look imposing but they could just throw <laughs> they knew how to use their bodies so much better than yeah like a normal high schooler you do all the kind of typical farm stuff like bale hay and things like that we did um we kind of got away from that a little bit when i got towards like high school because uh, my grandpa passed away so then uh, my dad kind of outsourced a lot of the the actual field work and then we just You're like come on dad i'm trying to get <laughs> jacked here can we still have a farm <laughs> uh yeah so we still and then we got into more uh like big bales which are you use like a tractor to move them versus like the smaller bales that you're you probably used to seeing what are some of those disciplines that maybe you saw from your grandfather or your dad or even just things that you had to implement yourself to be part of this like working farm um i think it's kind of the the discipline of like you just you just have to get the job done like um it's gonna suck like you're literally standing in like cow shit but you have to like get this the cows fed no matter what and you learned that like at a really young age yeah i mean i started doing uh like chores when i was three mm. and i'd imagine like because you're starting at such a young age of you days where you're crying and upset and <laughs> somebody's probably like hey that doesn't really your emotions here don't matter. You're like milking cows and you have chickens and things like that, getting eggs. Like, I don't know. We, I don't we know said to, cows, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, your emotions don't matter to the cows, really. It's, it's <laughs> right. like they they still need to get fed. So, And is this a, a farm where you uh, guys were selling product as well, or is it mainly for the family? or, or what, how Yeah, so like we had like a, it was, it was mostly just dairy. So like <laughs> milk, like we'd fill up the bulk tank of milk every day and then the milkman would come and pump it into his truck oh, okay. and drive it away. Yeah, so it was it was like a a thing that wasn't only for the family but it was also some uh, some income as well. Yeah, so we we milked uh 70 cows. Yeah, see, so I would imagine like that's a different thing than just having like a cow where you occasionally are are just getting milk for the family yeah. versus uh what did you learn about like that process cuz like I don't I don't even know what the hell goes on. Like so you milk the cow and then like what's is the milk good right then or does it go through it's got to go through like a lot of processing or what uh, so it goes there? through like a filter system takes out a lot of like the um solid particles and then goes into your bulk tank and then it goes into like a um then it goes to like the factory to get processed did, did you have access to like raw milk and and things yeah. like that for yourself like for your family because i mean that kind of might be part of the reason you know, in SEMA over here, growing up on uh, goat meat and goat milk mm. and a lot of, a lot of nutritious things, mm -hmm. really. But uh, for yourself, maybe that was a little bit of a contributing factor. Did you guys have, like, raw milk and things of that, that nature? Yeah, we didn't. Um, apparently, we used to drink the raw milk a lot. But uh, I think when I was younger, it was either, like, myself or my brother, when we were younger, we got, like, sick. And the mm. doctor was like, oh, it could be the raw, like, right, some right. of the stuff in the raw milk. So we mm -hmm. kind of... We started doing uh, buying like store milk, but at the same time, you'd still like, you know, you're like thirsty in the barn and you just drink some, like drink a glass <laughs> out of the bulk tank. That's great. When did powerlifting come into the picture for you? Like, uh, so 11. <laughs> no, I didn't start till I was 20. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I did, uh, did my first meet when I was 20. Um, it was in college and you know, when you're just like in the gym, you kind of gravitate towards like the strong people or like, you're like, oh, you're strong. I'm strong. Let's train together. Uh, my training partner in college, he competed in high school and then he convinced me to do a meet with him. Okay. And let me ask you this too. In, in, I guess in high school, were you like a football player? Were you some type of sport player along yeah. with lifting? Football and wrestling. 
Football and wrestling. Yeah. Okay. So that means you knew how to move really fucking well as a wrestler, and then you moved into power. I was like, okay, as a wrestler. I didn't start till I was uh, a freshman. Yeah. And then by then, you're wrestling against kids that have been doing it since they're like six, and their mm -hmm. dads are kind of a little hyper uh, <laughs> trying to live through their, their kid. Yeah. And uh, like, like I could beat... I could out muscle kids, but I didn't have the best technique, mm -hmm. and I would get gassed out by like the second period. Yeah, and if if I made it to like the third period, it's like oh, I'm 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 gonna let him pin me because I am tired. I want to be I want to go home. <laughs> who were some of the better powerlifters when you first got in? Like who? Like what, do you do you recall um, seeing like someone like an Ed Cohn or or seeing video or hearing something about maybe like Jesse Norris or somebody like that, mm -hmm. where you're like ah okay. That guy's a little bit similar to me in terms of body weight, but yet he's doing these crazy weights. I I wonder if I could do that. Yeah, actually, um, so my second meet was actually the first time I met you was at Raw Unity Seven, mm. and uh, that was when Animal sent like basically like their whole lineup of powerlifters was like Brandon Lilly, Dan Green was like the guy at the that time. That was a wild ass meet. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Uh, Jesse Norris was there. Uh, let's see who else. Milanachev, right? Milanachev was there. Yeah, I met him. That was a, that was pretty cool. He was uh, asked him for a picture, but he was like getting ready to squat. I was like, I was <laughs> maybe like, not a great time, like, or not not getting ready. He just like kind of finished squatting, and, and like he took a lot of pictures. I was like, okay, like I understand if you say no. Yeah, yeah. I remember but, how many people he had like holding him down to get his wraps on and shit. I always tell that story about like I was like there was a guy like two guys holding him down, one guy holding each of them down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone holding his like someone holding it his was leg. an event. There was like one guy that like pulled like pulled it around, and then another guy that like pulled the knee wrap even more. And I was like, Jesus! And Andre's just sitting there like in Russian, saying like more, and with his straight face. And you're like, How the fuck are they like? Does not kill? <laughs> yeah, like I've only done uh, wraps a couple times, and I had I, I usually did like self wrapping, and I was like, I'm, I'm getting it pretty tight. And then I had uh had someone wrap me one time, and I was like, Oh, okay, this like. I didn't like it because it was just, it, it felt like I couldn't, like, actually contract my muscles. You can't mm. feel anything. It yeah. feels like your toes are going to explode. Yeah. I was like, I just didn't have confidence I was, like, going to come up with the weight. Wow. In that meet, that second, that was, you said that was going to be your second meet? Mm-hmm. But, like, how strong are you? I'm just curious, like, how, when you got into powerlifting, how you, how fast you saw strength progress? Yeah. So, uh, my first meet, that was in 2013, I think June. It was a USAPL meet. I told fourteen eighty two, and that was kind of the first time I was like, I, I won best lifter at this local meet. But then I compared my number to like like nationals for USAPL. Mm -hmm. It was like one of the first couple of years of raw nationals. Uh, if I had hit that total, I would have taken like second or third at raw at nationals. Raw yeah, wow. it, so it, it wasn't like really big at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so that I was kind of. I want to point out real quickly though that fourteen hundred pounds is actually very strong. Uh, first of all, for a new lifter, uh, a, a drug tested athlete. Um, and uh, I mean, you're, you're squatting like sounds like mid fours almost, right? And probably deadlifting mid fours and then benching like three. Uh, I was hitting, I hit a 540 squat, 330 bench, and a 611 deadlift. Yeah, that's, inc that's incredibly strong coming yeah. out of the gate. And then what was the weight class? 181. Yeah, that's wow. I uh, mean, it's very clear that you're, already pretty talented at it when you first started going to you mentioned going to a commercial gym you mentioned having weights at your house when did you start going to a commercial gym and did you start to recognize like oh, i'm a little i'm a little 
different or I'm a little ahead? Um, so actually, I didn't go too much to a commercial gym. It was more so um, just my high school's gym. Oh, I see. And then like the college gym. I, I, I kind of joke because uh, two years ago, I think I got my first gym membership. Because mm. I always had like... That's great. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I always had like either the high school, college gym, or um, I started at like Madtown Fitness in Madison, which was a powerlifting gym. And I think I paid for like a month membership. And then after that month, the... Uh, I became friends with the gym owner and he's like, Oh, you're going to be like a special lifter. Like you can, mm. you could be like our sponsored athlete. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. How did your, how did your other meets start progressing? When oh, and then, uh, serious? yeah. So then, uh, the raw unity, that was the second meet. Um, that was in February yeah. of the next year. And I totaled 1620 at that one, I think. Dang. Get over here, Jessica Smith and give us a big old fat hug. Oh. <laughs> Jessica has been uh, away. She uh, went to prison a while back. <laughs> Fresh Sexual out of harassment that. charges. Fresh out of the pen. Mm-hmm. Great to see you. Long you time no see, John. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we got that over with, hopefully we don't have to fucking talk to her again. <laughs> 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 Roasted. All right. 1,600 something pounds. Then what happens? Um... I think the next one was UPA, and that was the first time I broke the the drug tested one eighty one record, like seventeen oh five, I want to mm. say. Um, that was like uh, so at the time it was like myself, Brett Gibbs, and then like Jamie Lewis was the the untested guy that had the record. I think like seventeen ten or something like that, and that's when like kind of the the discussion of like. <laughs> Oh, who's better, John or Brett? Mm. And that's kind of when I set out to go compete against him at Worlds. How'd that go? That went well. I uh, won nationals that year, and then um, ended up going nine for nine at Worlds the following year. Hit mm. eight thirteen kilograms total. I don't know what that is in pounds mm. off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. A lot, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was that was pretty cool because it was uh, I was also a junior at the time, and. I remember like one t- I because I won nationals and they're like, oh, you can pick either open or junior world team, and so like I went, well, the kid next to me was like, well, which one are you going to do? I'm like, I'm obviously going to go open because I want to go against Brett Gibbs, and yeah. he's like, well, you could win the junior. I'm like, I can win the open, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So, so okay, now the numbers that you had then before you went on to the USPA, um, are those like are those numbers that you had before you left? Are they still like has someone beaten those numbers yet for uh the 1705 yeah uh yeah okay yeah um but i'm I'm curious before you made that transition what kind of what made you want to move in that direction because you said it seems that you still had a lot that you could have continued to gain there oh you mean uh going from ipf to uspa oh okay okay yeah Yeah. sorry Uh, i was confused um yeah so AKA for, getting on some drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually didn't get on drugs for a full year after okay. leaving the IPF. But um, so even like back when I hit the like the sixteen twenty, it was kind of always like I want to be like in the. I don't want to be like just the best IPF USPA lifter. I want to be like the best overall. Mm-hmm. And I saw like conquering the IPF as just like one of the stepping stones to that. And after that, like, I had a lot of, like, family members, like, oh, you won Worlds, like, what are you going to do now? And I was kind of like, well, I'd, like, do I go again? And originally, that was kind of the plan. Yeah. And then the first current, like, the first big current with the $40,000 payout got announced. And I was like, 
that's an easy reason to <laughs> switch. Like, I ended up taking second at that meet, and I was actually still natty at the time. So I was like, "Damn, yeah, it was a ten thousand dollar payout for second place." And what did you lift there? How much? Like, uh, what are you bench and squat and deadlift and? So that was with wraps. And... Natty, by the way, means like he's on a little bit of D ball. <laughs> Just a, just a couple pills, you know. No, it, it was totally natty. Come on, bro. I <laughs> believe you. I believe you. Um, it's a farm boy strength. Yeah, mm-hmm. it you really can't is. question it. Uh, what did I total that one? I I tied um, Ben Pollock. He's fucking strong. He is very strong. But did the USAPL give you shit for doing the Kern, even though like you were they you did. didn't take anything? Like, that was that was why I was going to stay natty because my plan was I was like okay I'll alternate like every other year because yeah. it's a one year ban for competing outside. So I was like okay I can mm. like do Worlds in 2016, do the Kern 2017, then go back to Worlds in 2018. But when I signed up, they're like oh like you won't be able to compete in 2017 or 2018 Worlds. I'm like why? That's like my ban will be up by the yeah. time 2018 Worlds comes around. But they said. Because, okay, the meet is in, like, April of 2017, uh-huh. so my band should be up in, like, April of 2018, but they make the world team decisions in, like, January of 2018, so they're like, oh, you're still banned at this time, so we won't select you for the world team. I think it was just, there, there wasn't a rule against it, they were just kind of being dicks about it. That's so awesome. You get, <laughs> you get banned for, like, hanging out with people that take <laughs> shit. I know. <laughs> You're the off thing the is, team. they could still drug test. Like, they could still off-season drug test you to make sure. I just think that's so kind of ridiculous. It's because it seems like they're trying to fucking own an athlete. Yeah, I remember I asked him one time on the, uh, the like, USAPL group page. I'm like, hey, like, what's the point of this rule? Like, why can't I compete in USPA and then come back to USAPL? And they're like, well, like, McDonald's doesn't want you eating at Burger King. I'm like, well, I don't get banned from McDonald's for eating at Burger King. Right. I think it actually, it might even be like a WADA rule, not necessarily a USAPL rule, but they really like to stick to their guns on mm-hmm. it. They, as an organization, they could just be like, we don't really care if you compete in other spots. But for some reason, they do. I, I, it never made it, never made a whole lot of sense to me. What did your training look like at that time? Because nowadays, you bench squat and deadlift, and your ways of improving bench squat and deadlift are through bench squatting and deadlifting. Um, you do assistance exercises, but... You said, like, sometimes you don't have even a, a ton of steam to do them, and you're just kind of getting through them. I'm sure they're still a big part of what you do, but they seem to represent less. But to a newer lifter, that's kind of wondering how you built yourself up. How did you build yourself up in the beginning? So even even then, I'd been training for probably, like, 12 or 14 years, something in that range. So I would say, like, the those, like, first five years, I was doing a lot more, like, Kind of, it was still like strength based, but it was a little bit more like volume, bodybuilding, kind of like um, push pull type splits. Mm-hmm. Where Five I, years. <laughs> goes right with Andre Milanichev. Yeah. yeah. And then like after that, it kind of became more similar to uh, just like it, in between like that, the five year and now, it kind of just tapered a little bit more towards um, just hitting the main lifts. Mm. So even like four years ago when I was still natural i was still training pretty similar to what i do now did, at any point did you start to see like where was or like maybe now but where was a big slowdown in strength for you because like it's not perfectly linear but yeah. you're still still, still waiting for strong. that <laughs> yeah are you just yeah. uh de- like definitely um i've had like periods where it's like slowed down but i've always kind of like uh changed something up to 
or uh, maybe not necessarily change something up, but like just take a, like one step back to take like two steps forward. What does that kind of look like? Um, I guess kind of getting like if I get like too into my head about a certain goal number, mm-hmm. um, I might like keep just pushing it too much, and I'll like. I think like a lot of lifter, lifters are like, oh, I want to hit like a 500 pound bench or something like that. And then they just, they get so into their head about getting that 500 pound bench that like every, like three meets in a row, they'll go like, like a 440 opener, 470 second, and then they'll go for 500 and miss it like every single time. And I think like one thing I did was I, I was like, okay, like maybe, I, maybe I won't get 500 pound bench at this meet. Like maybe just go for 490 and then 496 the next one then 500 and that like i would say i think like 2017 was kind of when like that clicked for me and since then i've been very consistent with hitting like prs on on my meets what was the decision to uh take performance enhancing drugs and were you like worried about it nervous about it or has it been in your like horizon for a long time uh so i i was kind of knew i would like eventually get them get on them um just because like i said i always wanted to be the best i didn't want to be just the best natty lifter i want to be just the best overall and i knew to do that i needed to get on drugs and actually uh i started on sarms that's how i actually like found andrew because he's, he was doing the sarmageddon <laughs> was series I? yeah was like right Jesus around that time christ andrew <laughs> hey Look at the impact he's had on our youth. <laughs> I, I, st- I, started right, I started right before him. So, so maybe I influenced him. Could have been. Uh, so I started that for, I did that for about a year and then um, decided to like, I, my first cycle was literally just, I did 12 weeks. I did the first four weeks were 150 tests and the next four were 200 tests. I can hear all the pens and going the, right now. And then the last <laughs> four weeks going into the meet, I went up to 250 milligrams of test. And that was the whole cycle. And that was when I hit the 2K at 181. You were like, damn, this shit works. <laughs> Did you see a really I, I, big bump? Um, maybe not so much from that one. Uh, so what I get from drugs more so is just um going from like 181 to 198 weight class. Like I just noticed that I was able to put on the weight so much more clean versus mm. like if I just tried to bulk That's out actually that. a really interesting thing because I wonder if you went like like uh some sort of way of testing gaining body weight versus taking uh performance enhancing drugs like i don't know what the results are of that one study that everyone always brings up where uh people took testosterone i think for like six weeks and they increased their bench without working out Mm -hmm. in comparison to a group that was natural that was actually training but i wonder if the uh group gained body weight because i think that that is a huge responsibility or is is what is hugely responsible for uh, some of the strength gains, but obviously not forever. And for you, you you have to stay in a particular weight class. Yeah, I think for powerlifting, I think most of the strength, like I think uh, most of what you gain from taking like steroids or per- performance enhancers is uh, just being heavy more muscle. And um, it also makes the weight cut a lot easier too, I think. Mm. Like I feel like... Um, just for, yeah, that's actually very true because yeah. you, you have more muscle and it's easier to kind of deplete your glycogen stores, lose water weight. It's easy to manipulate uh, 15, 20 pounds when you have a large, a large amount of muscle mass on you. Whereas like just trying to just strictly lose fat mm-hmm. uh, would be very difficult and also really awkward with trying to gain the weight back. Yep. 
if you had to lose 15, 20 pounds and it was mainly water weight, you can normally uh, put it back on pretty well and lift pretty well. Yeah. And I, th- I yeah, I think the, like the post weigh in recovery is a lot more efficient as well. An interesting thing that I'm noticing about you also, cause we talked about the way that you look, but also like you, you're not breathing in a, <laughs> like in a crazy way. Cause you, when you see a lot of guys that are like, are, are running quite a bit of stuff when they speak or they get on a mic, they're like, <laughs> like you seem to have control over that. You seem to be health, like you're healthy. You can tell you're healthy. So how did you make sure to do that in a way where Nothing. It doesn't seem that your blood pressure is compromised. It doesn't seem that you're breathing heavy. How, how are you doing that? Oh, uh, well, I run like very low. So like Ooh. I'm kind of off cycle right now. Okay. Um. So normally I, I run a pretty low dose. <laughs> I, I run a pretty low dose regardless. I, I love the this kind of talk. I, I'm kind of off cycle right now. Yeah. So like, Which means you're not off cycle. Like, <laughs> I'm on a hundred milligrams test a week right, right now. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, so because no, no, normally, uh, when I finish a meet, um, I'll I'll come off completely. But between the showdown and um, my next meet was the hybrid showdown. Mm-hmm. It's it was 16 weeks, and I'd usually do like a 12 week cycle. So I was like, ah, I don't want to like come completely off for four weeks and then come back on. So I was like, ah, I'll just do like a hundred milligrams test. Um, and then even. Even like at the peak, I do like a 12 week cycle. I'll start like 200 milligrams test and 50 anavar a day. And then at six weeks, I'll switch to 50 anadrol and bump it up to 250 test. You were mentioning also like when we were talking in the gym, how like when you get up to the 220, you feel like, like you feel like your <laughs> yeah, face well, is. Yeah, once I get up to 220, then like it, it feels like, ooh, I'm getting a little bit like, it feels unhealthy for me. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe if I put it on slower i could do that but that's why uh when everyone's like oh you should move up to 220 now i'm like i don't know hey i feel like i still have stuff to do at 90 kilos but uh it's just uh i feel i feel like i'd lose a little bit of my like athleticism and um be able to move as well so do you want to like i'm just curious about like your progression through time are you trying to do some stuff at this weight class Mm -hmm. and then later on when you feel like i don't know what conquering this weight class looks like for you but then are you going to move up and try to conquer another weight class or you just yeah things go like i i see myself as um i don't i don't like coming down in weight or like i I feel like i can like i can never go back to 181 at this point like now that i'm a 90 kilo uh i'm i can i can only go up Mm mm-hmm and so I want to do everything here at 90 kilos before I move up to the 100 kilo weight class. Who has the 100 kilo weight class record? Uh, I think Yuri Belkin does. And then what about 242? Jamal Browner. And you have surpassed both of their totals already Correct. in the 181 class? 198. In the 198 class. class. Yeah. Um, I wonder why that those records don't roll over since it's a disadvantage to be less weight than it is to be more weight. I do. I do agree with that. I think it's, it's like the, it should be the under 100 kilo class, not the like 90.1 to. Right. Anyone under that weight that has done more weight total wise should have the record. (laughs) I, I agree. So these are fake records these motherfuckers have. <laughs> I mean, in, in fairness, Jamal, he took a big jump for his third deadlift. These guys are these guys are fucking savages. Um, so you move, you want to move up in these weight classes and probably uh, it would probably make for great competition because those guys will probably want to level up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, 
like I definitely want to go head to head with uh Yuri at some point, but he's much more like a lot of people like like to compare us, and I just like to say like he's a much better lifter in wraps than me, and I'm I mm. think I'm better in sleeves. Um, you don't have some of the wrap records, or you do have some of those as well. Uh so technically I have the wrap record for 198 as well. Mm. Um, I think Chad's Chad had it at 90. Or 997.5, and then I just barely etched it out. Um, having those, having like, does does it mean much to you to like have those records? And like, I, I it does seem like the thousand kilo thing was something for you. Um, when you when you hit an 887 pound deadlift at the end of uh, a powerlifting meet, you you went through your squat, you went through your bench. You figured out the number, and I think you were chasing that thousand kilos for a while. Were you super excited? Did you cry? Did you like fucking run around like you won a bunch of money or something? Or like, what did it feel like? Did it uh, mean much? Yeah, that one was uh, that one was really exciting because. So I went into the meet feeling pretty confident, and I planned out my attempts, and I was like, okay, I can still miss one lift, and hit the one thousand kilos. I was like. All right, if, if perfect day, I would hit like 10, 12.5. But um, obviously, missed the third squat, but I injured myself on that one. I kind of tore both quads. And um, at that point, I was very like down. I was like, um, if you listen to like the Massonomics podcast, like, yeah, we had, the, we had the booth right next door. John was in. He, he was not having a good time. That is accurate. I was not. I was like, I don't think the thousand kilos is here. I was very heartbroken. I was like, damn, I, I really thought this was the one. Because um, I was like, I don't think I can leg drive as much on bench, and I don't know how deadlifts are going to go. Mm. And, uh, but after like warming up on bench, I'm like, God, my, my upper body feels really strong, but I can't really leg drive. So like the first two attempts, I didn't push it that hard, or I didn't like... It was basically like ninety percent upper body, maybe like a little bit of leg drive, yeah. and, then, and then third bench, uh, I was like, ah, like fuck it, like fuck my legs, <laughs> fuck your elbow, kind of thing. Yeah, um, and uh, you could have wore a slingshot <laughs> under your singlet. <laughs> that, that is the method now. That's, is that the meta? But uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, hit that, hit the third bench, and then at that point, I kind of like did the math. I'm like, okay, this is the number I need to hit to to hit the thousand people. Kilos yeah. and um, deadlift warming up. I was like, "All right, it, like it hurts to move, but the actual lift isn't making the legs worse." So, like, it could be there actually, and ended up being there. So it was kind of like going from that super low to that super high with two torn quads. Yeah, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I like the only one who seems surprised about this? <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's. I guess like in in the end, it didn't affect my strength for bench, and it may maybe like two and a half kilos on bench. I th- like How? I, I went in thinking like five eighty four was going to be mm-hmm. my t- my third attempt. How bad was it in the succeeding days? You know, like um, getting upstairs and and walking and stuff, where your legs really really jacked up, or was it just like kind of a tweak or a pull in the competition? Uh, so the first week after was pretty. It was uncomfortable. Like I could I could move, but it was just like <laughs> like I had to work on the Monday after I got back, and I was just like, nah, I'm gonna like. I'm going to kind of do computer work this whole day. Like, yeah. I'm not going to move. And then um, 
even even still like the the left or the right one um on squats isn't feeling a hundred percent currently yeah i'll see how i was gonna squat after this and i'll see how how that goes okay um who's somebody that you would really like to lift like with because you kind of mentioned to me earlier that you don't really have a lot of times when you I, you work out with people but mm-hmm. you you mentioned that a lot of times you're kind of doing your own thing um are there some people out there like a larry wheels or a michael hearn or bodybuilder power lifter strongman person where you'd like man i just love to just say fuck my program for the day and go train with them and do something crazy uh definitely like chris bumstead um he's probably like the bodybuilder i would most like to train with um i'm not like like it'd be cool to lift with like big round me but i would prefer like chris bumstead personally um and then there's there's like a i see like a lot of the powerlifters as like my peers but then like if i look at like strongmen those are kind of the guys i'm like wow like seeing seeing the shit they're doing i'm like damn that's that's crazy i'd love to like lift with uh like Brian Shaw or, um, so you'd be uh, down to try some of that stuff. Have you messed around with any of that stuff before? Yeah. I was actually supposed to do official strongman games mm. in three weeks, wow. but I actually pulled out of that. Cause so originally when I signed up for that, I thought my next meet after the showdown was going to be the Kern. And I was like, okay, that'll give me enough time to kind of stay on cycle until strongman games. And then, and like kind of focus on strongman and then come off and, come back out and like switch gears back to powerlifting. Yeah. But, um, because the hybrid showdown, um, popped up, I decided to drop out of that one. I'm, I'm really curious, man, because when, like, when you've talked about your training through this conversation, it, it seems that a majority of it has been very strength based. Like when you were younger, you, you, you'd still strength based, mm-hmm. although you did work with more volume of like a more of a volume focus. It makes me wonder, like, for you to gain muscle, do you think bodybuilding training would be something that'd be beneficial for you if you like did a few training cycles and you just focused on training volume? I feel like you'd just blow the fuck up. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like even even if I start doing like just adding like an like an extra back movement, I can just like visibly see after like almost like a week where I'm like, oh, like my back is looking a lot better. <laughs> it's weird. Like maybe maybe it's just kind of placebo effect kind of thing like oh maybe i'm but like if i do like abs for like a week like i feel Mm -hmm. like the next week my abs just like look significantly better that's the thing i don't feel like it's placebo though because it's like you you don't really do that often Mm -hmm. so if if you do it's like you would just like (sighs) yeah uh, like if i do that though like i start getting more burned out from Mm -hmm. the main lifts gotcha yeah so like i I guess i kind of just i do accessories as I feel like it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> what uh what are you doing food wise and, and has there been a really like targeted focus on that or are you a little uh more laid back with that? Uh I'm kind of in between. So I like I guess uh so I work with Renaissance periodization. Um I follow probably like seventy percent of it where it's like I, I, I focus on like the timing of like protein and then pretty intuitively eat like fats and carbs but i'm i i perform really well with like a high carb diet so you're on a high fat high carb diet (laughs) pretty low lower fat write that down yeah so when you say intuitively what does that look like for you like do you can you feel before like a training session i need a bit more carbs today before i train or something like that yeah for sure like um or i'll I'll just feel like um oh i'm like feeling kind of down like maybe just eat a little bit more and um 
uh, like my body, like as, as long as like I check my body weight most days, and mm-hmm. you're um, not rigidly tracking things. Correct. Okay. I, I kind of like not rigidly, but like half-ass track the protein. I'm like as as long as I'm getting like 180, like between like 170 and 185 grams of protein, mm-hmm. and then the carbs and fat kind of come naturally. So if you want your shoulders to be bigger, for example, you just train them one time per month and they get bigger. If you want to get leaner, you maybe just don't eat pizza for a day. I'm just trying to make, I make sure I have all this down and getting the program down from some of the other stuff you said in the gym. And then you only deadlift super heavy every week and you only squat heavy every week, but you also only bench press three times a week. Yes. Am I am I fine? Am I figuring some of this out? Do you deadlift more than once a week and squat more than once a week? Because I didn't write that down yet. Uh, I do usually squat twice a week. So I have Fuck, like a, I knew I had this <laughs> program yeah. wrong. So I guess like the way my training is kind of focused is like I have so Saturdays um, a heavy single on squat and bench, and then some some bench accessories, and then Monday will be a heavy deadlift with like back day, and then Tuesday I'll do like a rep bench day. Wednesday will be a rep squat day. I usually like to do that as a uh, pause squats. And then Wednesday or uh, Thursday, I'll either do another bench day where it's kind of more like speed work. Like uh, I'll do like, I like doing bands or chains on those days. It's just kind of, I, I don't know if it's trying like, to move real fast, like real explosive, or is there a little bit more focus on just uh, like form? More more so form and control, but also, like, moving fast. Um, like, that day, if I give it to, like, a client, I'm kind of like, hey, like, if you're newer, like, try out different move, like, different things. Like, maybe it, it, might, might, it might not be uh, bands for them, but, like, you know, maybe try a different grip, try a different foot placement, see, like, I'm a big fan of doing what feels good, and that's usually, or, like, feeling what, doing what feels strong and sticking with that, and it's kind of, like, experiment on that day what you're talking about is just practice yeah i mean really you know when you do uh when somebody does speed work and when somebody does rep work they have a similar impact they have a similar effect where if someone's doing you know if you if you wrote out for a client and you said hey i'd like to see you do uh you know, three sets of 15 on these squats. Well, it's, it's different than when they're doing three sets of three, because when they're doing three sets of three, the weight is heavy enough to where they can't really think about the movement. They can't really play with foot placement. They can't really, as they're doing the range of motion, they can't really think about what they're doing because the weight is too heavy. Mm -hmm. When you do three sets of 15, however, especially from a powerlifting perspective, you can take that time to say, oh, I wonder how it feels if my feet are turned out a little bit more. Oh, I wonder if I get this grip. Oh, I saw this person do this. I can practice. And you can actually uh, think during the lift. Oh, I wonder if I arch up more, how that feels while I'm squatting. Mm-hmm. And then same thing comes with the bench press and you mentioning the speed work. And I think what people get lost in is like they, they think some of this dynamic effort work that Louis Simmons came up with does not work great for raw lifters. And uh, they're very wrong on that because, uh, first of all, doing like eight sets or 10 sets and going with kind of short rest intervals, it gives you a really wonderful opportunity to practice your first rep, which is one of the most important things in lifting. So if you're doing a speed deadlift or doing speed squats or speed bench, you have an opportunity to practice uh, and you can also kind of think about like, Hey, this is 500 pounds. Like yeah. don't think that it's just 185 or whatever's on the bar. Um, it you're also, you know, teaching yourself how to accelerate through the weight. 
But as you uh, put it, you know, you're trying different grips and trying different things. What's the strongest? What's the weakest? Oh, wow, I'm weak when I'm really out wide. I wonder if I brought some flies into my training, uh, did some cable crossover so that would help protect the shoulder more so I can build a bigger bench. Or maybe I would use a canebird bar to go down lower or use dumbbells to go down lower. <laughs> I mean, then you start really actually thinking about your training and it's not just uh it's not just you kind of going on autopilot. So it gives you awesome opportunity to get stronger. Yeah. And I think, uh, I really recommend like once you, like if you're doing like maybe like a seven or, uh, like four sets of eight and you try different ones and like maybe like wider grip felts better on one of them, you're like, Oh, I like, I like that. Um, I think I usually recommend like, okay, like for your next heavy day, do that for your warm up and, see how it goes um because maybe it won't feel better at the heavier weights but you know just like i've been doing this for 18 years now like i found out what works for my body but it it didn't happen overnight Mm. i'm i'm curious because uh we asked andre milanich this like you know you see a lot of lifters that are excited about powerlifting and mm-hmm. let's say they've never lifted before but they just want to hop right into powerlifting and just lifting heavy right what would your suggestion be for a lifter in their first three to five years of training what should they concentrate on should they just concentrate on getting stronger and going to powerlifting or what would give them a good base that's tough to say because like personally I, like i've always just really enjoyed being strong so mm-hmm. like uh sticking with powerlifting's been fun i think it's as long as you're just having fun in the gym i mean i don't think there's anything you need to focus on yeah but um just find some find some training program that you enjoy mm-hmm. like if you like doing higher rep stuff like do a program that's more higher reps and okay. then you can't get too focused on the actual like like have fun hitting prs but don't re- rely on those for your enjoyment of the training mm-hmm yeah, if you only like something, you'll never be great at it. You know, you have to actually, like, love it. Mm-hmm. If you if you like something, you have an opportunity to be pretty good at it. But it's going to take that you're passionate enough about it to where when you go and do a lift and you uh, fuck up your back and it messes you up for three, four weeks. I mean, I remember when this gym was, was pretty competitive and we'd always kind of say, like, well, we'll see what happens after the guy's here for about three months, you know, because first month they're really pumped. Second month, it starts to get a little harder. And by the time that third month rolls around, they got to really make decisions on whether they want their elbows to be flared up all the time, or if they want to take extra time to figure out ways of, of taking care of those things. Cause powerlifting uh, is a sport that doesn't end when you leave the gym. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much more to it when it comes to your food and your sleep, trying to figure out ways of uh, recovering and things like that. And so it takes a lot of resilience. And once you see somebody get hurt, you get an opportunity to see like, oh, okay, I think that motherfucker is probably going to stick around for a while because he did get hurt and he was sucking it up for a few weeks, but now he's back to it and he's rebuilding because it sucks, man. It sucks when you, you're working so hard, you're, you are doing everything you're doing everything in your power that you think is right and you think is correct. Um, I, I heard just a sidetrack, just a little bit. I heard a story the other day about this woman who said that she uh, did an Easter egg hunt uh, when she was a kid. And she was really pumped because she knew that this one Easter egg had five bucks in it. And uh, she, she got super excited. She found the one that she knew there was going to be five bucks in it. This like golden egg. Her dad would, you know, put the Easter eggs around wherever. 
She gets all pumped up. She opens up and a turd pops out. <laughs> a little a little thing of like dog poop. Oh. And her dad actual dog poop? Yeah, actual dog poop. <laughs> and her dad like sat her down and explained why he put it in there. He said sometimes no matter how hard you work or how hard or how much you think something's the right thing to do or the right way, sometimes shit just happens. <laughs> what a wild time for a I, I, I know, right? Like and how, so some, how old was she? She's like five or seven or something like that. Wow. It's like, yeah, holy shit. I think I would never trust my dad. Yeah, I know. You're like, that mother, yeah. But anyway, kind of the point being is that like you are trying to do things that you think are in your best interest. You are trying to move towards things that you think are a great idea and bam, you get hurt. So how do you deal with injuries? How do you kind of come back from them? Um, I think, uh, so I haven't had like any like major ones in my lifting career. It's usually something where I can still... Like, maybe I won't be able to squat heavy, but I can still at least, like, bench or deadlift. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of put my focus more on the other lifts I can do. Um, I, I personally, I've never had to deal with where I have to take, like, a whole month off of, like, training. Mm-hmm. So That's I can, great. Yeah. So, okay. I don't know. Am I thinking torn quads aren't a major injury? Like, is that not a major injury? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, ha- I took, like, a two and a half weeks off, like, completely of squatting. Okay. And now I'm, like... I've, I've kind of like uh, the first first one lift back. I hit like worked up to like three eighty five, and then just I've been doing squats twice a week and just kind of increasing it slowly each week. So like last Saturday, I hit five forty for okay a triple, and it felt pretty good. It, uh, it felt like um like the, like I felt strong, mm-hmm. but I also just didn't feel confident. Where I was like, ooh, I feel like it could like re injure. Yeah, yeah, if I like went an inch deeper kind of thing. Gotcha. You're touching upon something I think makes a lot of sense here. I think that uh, a lot of it's just his mindset, you know, what other, what somebody else might consider to be uh, an injury that is uh, temporarily uh, life altering. You're like, Oh, it's just a, you know, it's just a little uh, hitch in my giddy up for a little while and I'll get better soon. Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of lifters, at least like uh, newer guys kind of think too short term mm. where like uh, Andy and have I and I've talked on our podcast about how like I had kind of like a five year plan of like what I wanted to hit. Like I wasn't just thinking like next meet. I was like, all right, I want to hit this to, at this meet. That'll set me up to hit like this is the next one. This is the next one. And then like and then I can hit the like 1000 kilo. It wasn't like I need to hit the thousand kilo at this this next meet. And. So then when I get, like, an injury like that, it's kind of like, okay, like, it might just, like, set me back a little bit for the next, for the short term, but um, I can just, like, adjust the short, the long term a little bit to still hit that, that yeah. end goal. That's a really big deal, though. Like, that, that, that's, that's awesome, because most lifters do, they're only thinking about what they want to hit in the gym next week and what they want to hit at their next meet, and then after that, they get the post-meet blues, they're like, I don't have any new goals set up. Mm-hmm. But you set up a long-term plan, and that's why you're able to consistently just chip away at these little goals yeah. because it's not it's not something you have to do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I hit that long-term goal and I don't know what where I'm going from now. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking. I like I just don't have like a other than the like the 800, 600, 900, I don't have like a specific number in mind. Maybe mm-hmm. uh I think Ed Cohen's best 220 was like 24 36 mm-hmm. something like that. I think that would be like a really fun number to like kind of shoot for. Mm. But um yeah, that that's that's a ways away. So, okay, so it's a lot of it's a lot of lifting. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
Um, what are some exercises that you utilize to, because people are sometimes obsessed with particular lifts. So let's talk about bench and say like, what is the particular other movements that you might utilize to help increase your bench press? Um, so like I talked about earlier, like most of my lifts are just doing the main lifts. Um, but especially for bench, when I do the three days a week, I kind of focus on like, um, each day I kind of focus on like a different like main mover. So like chest, shoulders and uh triceps mm. and i kind of hit like i'll hit the main lift and then the next lift after will be something that kind of like is still similar to bench it's usually like a barbell movement but it kind of focuses more on that like chest or whatever so i it's usually like larson press which i do for like chest which is a bench press like a bodybuilder bench press where your feet are up yep. uh or your feet are just straight out in front of you you could just mm-hmm. have your feet straight out or you could put your feet on a box and just let your legs totally uh relax you could even kind of practice this on uh on, a, on like a floor press or something like that just anything to get your legs um you know out of the lift i guess mm-hmm. yep and then uh like an overhead press on my shoulder day mm-hmm. and then um like close grip or bands or chains or something on the uh on the tricep day cool how about squat and deadlift since we're on this um so i don't do too much variations on deadlifts um sometimes i'll hit the the top single and then i'll drop down and do like a a couple sets of pause deadlift mm-hmm. but what i found works best for my deadlift is training back like actually uh like bent over row or pendulate rows really has a big carryover for me Really? Like, yeah, like if I hit like Pendelay's row, if I like skip it for like three weeks, my deadlift will feel trash. But if I like skip it and then like I hit it the next week, I'll be like, okay, my deadlift it feels a lot more locked in. Can you describe that lift a bit? Uh, yeah. So bent over or Pendelay row is just a bent over row basically, but you like you drop the bar all the way to down to the ground, let the weight rest a bit, and then, yeah, and then give another pull to it. Do yep. you uh, move your body much, or do you try to stay strict where your body stays like? But you're not using a lot of body English. I, I try and keep it um, stiff. I try not to jerk it as much, but um, like sometimes you just want to push it a little bit heavier. So like I think a little bit of movement is good, but um, you don't want to be yeah, flailing all over yeah, the place. Yeah, you don't want to be doing like basically three quarters of a deadlift. When did you start doing the pen lay? And like what, what, like what do you, I guess when you do work the pen lay, what numbers do you look for that correlate over to like, ooh, okay, so my deadlift is probably... It's probably could probably move this amount of weight. Uh, I don't like focus too much on the weight of um, my accessories ever. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know what my best set of eight on Pendulay rows is. Okay, but I usually just kind of pick like round numbers. Like I train with kilo plates, so I'll usually just do like um, if I'm doing like sets of twelve. I mean, start with like two seventy five. So that's mm-hmm. like two reds, and then if like that set moved well, maybe I'll throw like five kilos on yeah. each side or something like that. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't specifically like try and focus on the weight as long as I'm like around like RP, like seven to RP nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the position is what you care about with that movement, like maintaining good position. That's part of, yeah. Maintaining good movement. And then, uh, just getting the work in okay. really like as long as, as long as I get the sets and the reps in, mm-hmm. um, the weight doesn't matter to it. Uh, like maybe like when I'm feeling stronger, I'll hit heavier, but yeah, I, I, I don't track that. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of variation in what you're saying. Like, it seems like 
you're just saying bench squat deadlift and you have a couple of movements that you like to do, but there's still a lot of nuances and variation within everything that you're talking about. Um, bench pressing three times a week and then having, you know, a specific focus on shoulders one day, triceps another day, pecs another day. But I think that people don't always understand how much variation there can be in just one movement, mm-hmm. even if it's just the one movement with not an actual variation to the exercise, because you can lift the weight slower, you can lift the weight faster, you can do some pause reps, um, and then you can also utilize like different barbells. Mm-hmm. So you could do a fat bar bench press, you could do a safety squat bar squat um, instead of a regular deadlift. Maybe you are using a trap bar. Like there's just there's endless amounts of variation that you can use that is still the same exercise or similar flavor to it. You can shorten the range of motion. You can lengthen the range of motion. It seems like you don't choose to, to veer too far off of the actual movement itself for the most part. Um, but you did mention for squats that you use a safety squat bar and that occasionally you'll also do some pause squats, right? Uh, yeah, I do actually more pause squats than I do safety squat bar. Um, I've had like some issues with like hip injury or like glute on uh, safety squat bar. So I don't push that one that heavy, but um, I do like doing like beltless pause squats on my secondary uh, squat day. I usually like work up to, I, I do a lot of like ascending sets. So like I'll start at like um, maybe like 500. And then if that goes well, I'll go up like 20 kilos or something like that. And then I'll hit like a top set. Mm-hmm. And that, that, like, the top set is kind of what I track as as long as I'm, like, increasing that each week. Why beltless? Um, I just kind of like it. Yeah. I don't, like, I, I, I don't have, like, a good reason, like, oh, you need to do beltless to, like, build your abs. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I'm very upright, so it doesn't, I don't get a whole lot out of the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but. So you but, think you could pretty much. I'm I'm assuming you could squat pretty close to your belted max beltless. Yeah, I think I've hit um honestly I think what, what did I hit this past train cycle? I hit something like upper like six eighty two for like a pause triple beltless. Or maybe like seven hundred. I don't uh something around there. And it was kind of funny because like I'll post like a video like that mm-hmm. where I'll like personally think like, wow, that was like one of the most impressive sets I've ever hit. And they like, won't get as many likes as like, yeah, uh, uh, like upper seven squats. I'm like, God damn it. And, like, <laughs> like mentally that like almost like fucks with you is like being like trying to be like both like lifter and like social media mm. side of things. You, okay. It, it's cause you mentioned this earlier in the podcast. It was really interesting. You're saying like, okay, if there's a goal number you had in mind and you're not going to get there, you, at least you're going to get something that you can post. And it's, it's cool that you're mentioning this because like, that stuff is somewhat important for you as a lifter and having people see kind of what you're doing. It's, it's, um, it's interesting that like, you know, okay, this won't get as many likes, but this will, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, so what kind of, I guess, what kind of importance do you put into the social media aspect of things? Cause some people are like, I don't give a fuck, but at the end of the day, it is fairly important in this day and age. It's one of the only ways to get recognition too in the sport that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually like really benefits me too. Cause like people like seeing the top single and that or that's what I'm good at. That mm-hmm. works out well for my, my training and I recover well from it. Um, so I do like put more focus on those single days, I think. 
and then like the rep days or the accessories are kind of half ass it because <laughs> maybe not like half ass three quarter acid three quarter acid <laughs> do you uh cook at all because like you know the, the food thing is a really important and we did touch upon it a bit but do you cook your own food or do you just kind of end up at like chipotle like what's it look like for you uh so i usually like to <clears throat> I'm, I'm starting a new meal prep plan for uh my like breakfast is kind of like my I, I eat like a bigger breakfast and then i snack a lot uh-huh. Andy will make fun of what my diet because me and his girlfriend we both like eat like child like will you like Uncrustables and stuff really yeah okay so Uncrustables what else um, I love Uncrustables fruits, fruit so snacks good. fruit snacks Welch's uh, usually Annie's <laughs> I don't know what that is those are the like organic ones oh healthy with it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so like like I would say like my my best meals are definitely breakfast and then pre-workout meal is usually like oatmeal, a protein shake and a banana. And that's like pretty consistent. And like, if it's a heavier, heavier, if I want to go like heavier that day, maybe like do an extra packet of oatmeal or something like that. Extra banana, extra Mm -hmm. anadrol. Yeah. (laughs) What did you eat when you were a kid? Uh, I mean, my mom cooked like dinner most nights, um, cereal for breakfast and school lunch. Okay, uh, this uh, I'm kind of curious about this one. Over over the years, do you find that because yeah, your nutrition is structured, but do you find that now, since you've been doing certain things for such like such a long time, you can kind of p- literally pay less attention to it? You kind of just know what to do, and you can wing certain things, yeah, because you know how you respond to stuff. Were you more regimented before, um, or no? I think it was kind of like stepwise getting to that point where um, I was probably like less regiment earlier in my lifting career because mm-hmm. like i was younger i can get away with that and um i was still progressing through other means of just like getting stronger yeah um i think like as i've gotten like past like 25 i've kind of had to get like e- each each time i get like a little bit better i mm-hmm. think but it's it's such small steps i don't like notice that i'm doing that better okay um so like uh like in the past year, I've started watching uh, one of your recent guests, Andrew Huberman. So like sleep has been like a really big thing that I've improved on this past year. And I think that's kind of like w- one little like little thing that I can do to like help increase my, my performance. Any and, particular things or just like thinking about, you know, uh, getting to bed on time? Like anything that you've noticed that really helped? Um, Yeah, getting to bed on time. Honestly, just like kind of listening to it, it's like making more conscious of my sleep and like um i like his uh his uh like getting sunlight in in the morning mm-hmm. um trying to limit screen time at night and then just going to bed at consistent times what did you notice with that when you started because we talked about sleep a lot but for you what did like that look like for you before because i mean obviously you were getting some sleep but you weren't paying as much attention to mm-hmm. it and then what are the things that you adjusted so i think um actually like so i got uh, laid off from my work back in May and I started a new job and my previous one, I was working from home. So I kind of like, I was, I had a really bad habit and it was kind of like, eh, I can like wake up and just roll out of bed and kind of casually start working mm-hmm. at whatever time I wanted. So I would like play video games late at night and then like wake up at random time, like just naturally. And now, um, I actually have kind of a set schedule and I think that's actually like helped me 
being like, okay, this is what time I have to wake up. So like, if I want to get eight hours of sleep, like this is what time I have to go to bed. Mm. Okay. I definitely want to ask about what games you play, but I want to like, <laughs> we, we, we got to let you know right now, since we're talking about sleep, um, we work with a company called eight sleep, right? They have a mattress topper that can cool your bed. And there's been a lot of research to show that the cool, like the cooler temperature, your mattress is the faster sleep onset you're going to have. So the cool thing is that eight sleep, they have a mattress topper that you don't need to buy a mattress, but you can put it on top of your mattress or you can get a mattress and the topper and uh, get amazing sleep with that temperature controlled pad. Mm-hmm. And we can get it uh, for you for $150 off. Um, right now, if you guys head over to eight sleep.com slash power project, that's uh, eight spelled out. So E I G H T. I had to look at it cause I can't spell for shit. Uh, eight sleep.com slash power project. Once you guys go there, you guys will see the, uh, the banner up at the top. It'll say $150 off automatically off of your pod pro or your pod pro plus mattress. Uh, so no code needed. I uh, just head down to the links in the YouTube description as well as the podcast show notes. But yeah, dude, that stuff's amazing. Cause it, it actually will change like your temperature throughout the night. Cool. So like mine, when I first get into bed, it's like freezing cold. Well, it's, it's very, very cold. My wife says it's freezing cold. And then by the time I wake up, it's it's warm so that, like it's really really easy to get out of bed oh, nice. and like the um the amount of like wake up periods throughout the night has gone way down so like you're getting better sleep it's like something you should definitely check out cool uh, especially during the trend sweats oh <laughs> man never done trends so i don't know <laughs> oh good for you yeah. Will you ever do trend? <laughs> i don't think so i think uh like you touched on with that uh tr- coach trevor guy mm-hmm. where you guys <laughs> talked about how like like everyone thinks like oh trend like oh it's such a such a like so hardcore like you need it for strength and like it's actually kind of funny because uh, uh did you guys ever sponsor pete rubish i know he yeah did, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. For a long i know time. he did the uh yeah. backyard me of the yeah, century absolutely um he was one of my first training partners so i kind of like saw like that so, like i think right. i think that's actually like a big thing that's changed since like when i first started lifting versus now is like i think a lot of people are kind of I think back then it was kind of like just take whatever <laughs> is in your fridge because literally I asked him going into uh, Raw Union I'm like hey like what do you want he's like oh, I don't know I just injected everything else I had in my fridge I was just like <laughs> holy shit man that's that's wild like now now obviously he's gotten like he's much smarter about yeah. it yeah yeah people well people share more information mm-hmm. and uh, with the more information out there uh, it does attract maybe more people to get into it um, which you know is not necessarily always great. Um, because it might be people that haven't really trained much yet, they haven't put any time into it, or they uh, are starting very young. So there are some dangers to it. But it is nice to hear people say, "Hey, like these ones actually are pretty mild. I never had, you know, I I personally never had anything happen to me with these. But these over here, probably not a great idea. And then you know, future people that are thinking about going that route, they can make a better decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, just there's more information out there and now people are a little bit smarter about what they take. Yeah. Somebody actually in the live chat had brought up Pete Rubish. Um, I have no idea. So hopefully they weren't honey dicking me, but, um, that he's coming off of everything and then trying to compete. I, I think he's been off. Of everything. Or, yeah. It's been off of everything. The last time I checked, I don't know if he's still, I, I think he was like trying for a kid. Maybe I might be mm. wrong there. I, I watched a few of his videos where he talked yeah. about like coming he off. He came off everything and he's been off everything for a few months now. And his like lifting numbers, they went like way down mm. and then now they're, they're, they're climbing back up. Um, yeah, I think it's fuck. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see too many people that do that, that are on shit for long periods of time 
who say, hey, I'm just going to leave it in the rearview mirror and not even take like TRT because uh, you are changing a lot of so much of your identity. You know, I lost a hundred pounds. I don't have the same strength. So I changed my identity somewhat. And then I got a mustache and then dressed as a superhero, <laughs> but <laughs> changed my identity a bit, but it's still not the same as like, just, you know, going completely clean from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think I'd ever go on trend at this point. I think I, yeah, whatever I, you're doing is working. I, I perform well with just doing, like, I think Anadrol works a lot better for me, personally. Anadrol um, and video games. Yeah. I, I do want to mention this, though, mm-hmm. and, and kind of ask this, too, because I've heard you talk about genetics before, and, like, you, you mentioned, like, genetics, are they play a big part. Mm-hmm. But, in you know, as we've been talking, man, I don't think people... I don't want people to hear that and be like, oh, John's just genetically gifted because you've been working on a farm since three. You've been lifting weights for strength since 10. You've done wrestling and football in high school, and you've been super consistent with that shit like the whole time. So and you've been paying attention to what's going on around you because you've mentioned listening to like Andrew Huberman and pulling in information from other people. So, yeah, like you there is a lot like a lot of people don't start lifting till they're 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. And before that, they don't even really do much physical things in their youth, but you were growing up being a physical, just working with shit your whole life. Yeah. That I, plays a big role. Yeah. I think like, like when I say like genetics, I also mean like, um, my early environment. Okay. And yeah. I think just like kind of getting the mindset of what I need to do to like get to the level. And obviously like, actual genetics do play a huge role like you you know there's many people that can never bench like or even squat like 500 pounds like most people probably won't be able to squat 500 pounds in their life they could train all their life and they they can't get to that level but um i think like what's i have a very good combination of kind of all the things you just listed like genetics and uh, environment and also just like intelligence for like training i think mm-hmm. i think a lot of people kind of train stupid and yeah. that that ends up um killing their career yeah you i mean you went through a lot of years of just probably you know hey this feels pretty good like I, i'm gonna leave that in there and you probably went through many years of like crossing shit off the list like this exercise like i don't know maybe one time you tried heavy good mornings and you're like I don't think that does shit. I'm going to stick with deadlifts. And then maybe for, sure. for a long period of time, you tried deficit deadlifts. You're like, I don't do anything. I think that's stupid. Uh, maybe you tried fat bar deadlifts and you're like, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, you, you find these things out, you know, and you, you find stuff that start to eliminate a lot of stuff and you start to kind of carve out and cut out something that is kind of uniquely your own. Uh, that sounds insanely efficient. Mm-hmm. So like while we're, I'm teasing you about like just training every day and going as heavy as possible. Um, it, it's something that is working great for you. I, I know that you even coach other folks and when you do, they get great results as well. So it's obvious that you have a great understanding of not only how your body's working in the gym, but just how the gym works in general mm-hmm. for everybody. When you do work with some people that are maybe less gifted, does the programming look different or are you trying to like uh, start people out with benching three times a week or doing maybe as much frequency as you're doing? Um, so I would say like probably like 70% of my clients are on a very similar program. Where I think, like, 
kind of the benching like three times a week, squatting twice a week, and deadlifting one to two times kind of works for most people. And then uh, like just working with them and like finding out how their body feels day to day how and like cycle this train cycle the train cycle and then you can kind of go either direction i think like that's kind of a good like middle ground to start at and then um just kind of going going from there see if like they respond better to accessories or just the main lifts you know and, and one thing that i noticed when you're talking about a lot of this too i think one thing that people do is they'll try to add in a variable or add in a movement right mm-hmm. and um maybe they don't stick with it for long enough. Maybe they like, they don't see the results they want quick enough. So they're like, okay, they dump this. How do you look at that? Because it seems that you don't just throw everything at it and see what sticks. Like you try something for a while. Uh, yeah, I think like, um, so I did a lot of that kind of like throwing different variables in early in my powerlifting career. Like I did, I started on like five, three, one, I'd like, and then I'd do that for like 12 weeks. Then I'd switch to like the cube method, which was really big when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of started taking like the parts that I felt worked well from each program. And then I built my own from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think y- you got to kind of find that balance of like trying it long enough, but not like, sticking to it if you're like all right i i like this isn't working mm. um and i think that's something that it's it's hard to like explain it's just kind of like intuitive i feel like i think not enough people follow their gut and uh, what i always yeah. admire about people that are like yourself is that you repeatedly do that you know you're like hey this is this i'm gonna i'm gonna work on doing this you do it it feels right feels good i mean you you put it really simply uh with the bench press you're like i like to feel what's strong and then use that more often Mm -hmm. and it's like how many times we get people to say or they ask uh what what stance should i use in the deadlift Uh, i don't know but how about a good idea would be whatever one's stronger for you probably lean towards that one more often like there's there's probably uh mechanical reasons and a bunch of reasons mobility reasons on why a sumo deadlift feels better than a conventional deadlift or vice versa for you in particular uh so you know we hear so much like you need to work on your weakness and you can do that and those are good things to examine and look into but it's kind of a real it's a real bummer <laughs> trying to do those things all the time because you're you're working on shit that you're not good at at all and I think you probably need a combination of the two to even have like enough motivation to get through each and every day. So if you find something that feels strong, whether it's you're really good at reading or you're really good at math and you can be a chemist or you're really good at deadlifting conventional versus sumo, then, you know, stick with it for a while. And maybe you still incorporate things that hit your weakness uh, so that you can become more well-rounded, but don't be afraid to lean into where you're strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, uh, going back to, like, how I pick, like, accessories, um, if I'm feeling, like, oh, my chest isn't, like, feeling as strong on this bench, like, maybe I'll hit a little bit more chest to bring that up, but I know, but, like, oh, like, my biceps aren't feeling strong, like, that's not going to help my bench, really, so I'm not going to really focus on mm-hmm. that. With that, like, kind of with what Mark was mentioning there, um, 
Because, you know, when you, when you see yourself squat, you're a very upright squatter, mm-hmm. which you don't see that often in powerlifting. Yeah. Um, also, you've chosen to stick with conventional. Where there's a lot of people, like, they, they choose to do sumo at some point. Be stuck with the real deadlift. Now, mm-hmm. what what have you ever tried sumo in the past and you just didn't like it? What made you stick with conventional? And also, your, your squat form. How did you realize that this is the way that I'm going to continue squatting well? Did you experiment with other stuff? Uh, yeah, so... Like, uh, like you said, like trying things out long enough, I probably didn't do that mm. with, um, low bar and sumo. Well, I, I, I can say like, I, I can't sumo. Like I just, if I go wide, it just, um, something with my hips just does not feel right. Okay. Um, and then low bar, it, it's kind of the same thing. It just doesn't feel right. And I kind of like went with my gut of this, this feels strong. Like I've been doing and I didn't like get into powerlifting until I'd been lifting for uh, ten years. Yeah. So it's kind of like this is what's worked for me. This is what I've been training for ten years. If I change it up now, it might be like, do I have to train another ten years to get back to like where I'm at, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and or feel as confident in this form? Um, I made like small tweaks. Like I've moved the bar down a little bit, but I don't think going low bar at this point would be that beneficial to me. So sometimes when someone's not strong, I think this is important to mention, when somebody's not really strong, like they're not advanced, they haven't been lifting for a long time, um, this is where the assistance exercises can come in, but this is where I think people get mixed up and they get things wrong. A main movement, a barbell movement, can be an assistance movement. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, if you were to program and you said, hey, I want to see what's your best uh, triple, and the person... uh, you know, benches, uh, 155 for a triple. So hopefully they warmed up with the bar. They used 95 pounds. They probably proceeded to go to 135 and then one. So it's not a lot of work, mm-hmm. right? And then, so how do you get that individual to get a lot of work? Well, you do it with the assistance exercises. Some people choose to have their athletes go over to the dumbbells and, uh, do, you know, three sets of, uh, incline dumbbell bench and then followed by flat bench and, followed by flies and all these other things. But other coaches, especially, I would say, more modern powerlifting coaches, understand uh, using things that are specific towards the competition, having a ton of merit. And that's a, uh, pro, uh, stuff I've utilized over the years, and I just called it a secondary barbell movement. But it was just the first movement done with a different prescription and maybe done in a slightly different way. So this person that bent 155 for three, uh, they're now going to proceed to reduce the weight to maybe 115 pounds. And I might say, let me see uh, what four sets of six looks like um, benching with a closer grip. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds to me like that's a lot of the stuff that you're doing with people. But you do have to find out when you're a newer lifter. You do have to figure out a way how you're going to be able to replace the volume that you can't get from your buddy that you're lifting with who is repeatedly kicking your ass in the gym. And the way that you're going to do it is with those secondary movements, the assistance exercises, because you just don't quite have the same strength yet. That's how you're going to be able to make up that distance and make up that ground over time. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think uh, <clears throat> I think that's kind of like going back to like what, how my trainings progress over the years is like early on i put a lot more folk like i'd i'd, I'd put, put focus on the main lift but then i would put more or uh more merit compared to now into like that secondary movement but um overall my training has been focused a lot on 
like that main movement and a very similar usually barbell movement like i'll, I'll, I'll do bit i do like dumbbell after that secondary movement but um probably like 90 percent of my focus and like energy is put into those two do you have a a favorite thing to do you did mention video games a favorite thing to do uh aside from uh aside from all this gymming that you're doing uh so i'm pretty like homebody i like to just kind of relax like hang out with my dog and like I, I watch a lot of movies and play video games and i don't know that's about it which just games were netflix and shit like that <laughs> yeah what are we playing uh mostly runescape oh really yeah <laughs> How long? Bro? Wait, is there any? Is there a new version of RuneScape out, or is it still old school RuneScape? So there's two versions. There's like <laughs> the new version where they like kept updating, and then like they made an update that a lot of people really hated. Yeah. So they used like a save file from 2007 to make old school RuneScape. So it has like so old school RuneScape has like the same graphics basically. Yeah. As like back when you probably played back in you know, like early 2000s. I was like in sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, but like they still update it and that one actually is like i think more popular than uh the new runescape are you like ranked in any of these games <laughs> uh i'm almost maxed account i think like once i max it i'll probably quit because i put way too it's it's a it's a fun game where i can like kind of mindlessly play while i do other work how like, many hours have you put into what? RuneScape? Because RuneScape, <laughs> well, like, is, if, if you've been playing this, RuneScape for that long, is this you have had a lot of hours in I, it. I've never even heard of that. Is this what that is? Uh, so that's the, that's the that's new the version. New shit. Yeah. Uh, so this one's lame. Yeah. Okay. Uh, look up old school. Just type in type in old school RuneScape. Kids, this is how you get strong. Right? <laughs> yeah. You want to get fucking but, massively strong? Well, this is how you do it. I, I joked on another podcast because like old school RuneScape. It's it's like point and click games. So you do like the same yeah. thing over and, and over. An old school RuneScape. And uh, I think it's kind of a good <laughs> metaphor for like piloting. Because you just have to find the enjoyment in doing the same thing over and over. And then you get that little dopamine <laughs> from like hitting a PR. Yeah, when it's slightly getting... different every once in a while. Yeah. This is still. That's uh, still new? No. This so is new. this is actually, they, they just came out with a plug in to like make mm -hmm. it better graphics but it's this is the so old this school. is still old school this is old school yeah it's old school hd <laughs> bro bro this says a lot this continues to say a lot about you man i know you're not out here playing some new shit you're still playing old school runescape trying to max out your account now you dodge the question how many hours do you think you have in that account <laughs> oh man i've been that's hard that's hard i can look it up i don't know I, I, I don't know if i want to know the answer to that my guess uh if if just just say yes or no above ten thousand. no I don't no think, i don't think about 10 i think like probably around a thousand a thousand hours okay yeah okay okay all right that's fair yeah what like, about what about movies you end up kind of like binge watching some stuff or are you are you watching just kind of single one-off movies uh it it varies like uh i watch a lot of like amazon prime movies i'll just mm -hmm. kind of like go and see like just go through the titles and uh see what i like but then uh if i if i start like a new series on like netflix i will finish that series like you're determined yes uh, that, that's like I get like super hyper focused on things like my mm -hmm. my ex-girlfriend had a, a puzzle and she started it one night and I was kind of making fun of her for like I was like oh, a puzzle like what are you six you got trapped and like literally <laughs> uh, trapped it was the... when I was like staying up late at like 10 30 or something or 11 I like walked by the kitchen table and like found a piece and I like I was like ooh, put that in like and I was like oh that was enjoyable I found another piece and then I was up till like 3 a.m and <laughs> the next day of work I got like 
three quarters of the way done. And the next day at work, all I could think, I was like, I can't wait to get home and finish this puzzle. <laughs> did you finish it? And that I was did, the I reason did. for the breakup? Uh, <laughs> it was like, not. you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was not the reason for the break, but I did finish it. I, I waited for her to get home to do the last like quarter yeah, of it. Right, right, right. Yeah, you, oh. you can't do that to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> can't screw them over She, like she had another puzzle she could do, so... You have any uh, aspirations to do any like bodybuilding? You did mention some strongman. Uh no, I don't like dieting. No, I like. I don't think I could mentally deal with losing strength. Mm-hmm. Like, like I can handle it for like coming off cycle, right? Because I know like I'll, I'm still trained for strength. Like I know as long as I'm like stronger, um, like sixteen weeks out from meat, like from this like meat versus like the previous one, I, I'm still stronger than I was. But um, to lose like yeah. hundreds, hundreds of pounds on my bench, which you're just like no, nope. was yeah. Do What's you? The, so I was gonna ask. Do you remember any of your numbers before you? Um, I guess we'll say changed federations because that's literally what everybody goes to is just like, oh well, that's why he's so strong because he does this and that. But I mean, you said you got second before you, as a natty lifter amongst enhanced lifters. So I was curious if you remember some of your biggest lifts. Uh, yeah. So in in the gym, my best squat was I want to say like just under seven. So like I started. My first SARM cycle was Austrian, and, like, after, like, eight weeks, I hit, like, a 700-pound squat, which was, like, about a 10-pound uh, PR. I, I Like, every time I went on, like, SARMs, I feel like I got, like, 10 pounds on each lift. Mm. And uh, my best natural bench in the gym was 474, and my best natural deadlift, um, I want to say it's, like, 750. All right. Yeah, those are some pretty big numbers, and who knows how hard far you could mm-hmm. progress, you know, pushed it. Um, do you feel like you slowed down at that time, or you don't really know? Um, I think I was, like, slowing down a little bit, but I think it was just kind of one of those, uh, like, so, sometimes training, I feel like, just comes in, like, those, like, waves, and mm-hmm. every so every so often you get, like, you slow down. And I think that's what a lot of people fall off the sport from, is, like, they slow down, and then they get, like, discouraged. And then they're like, oh, fuck this sport. I'm going to try pile of, or, uh, bodybuilding or something. And um, so I, th- I was like kind of coming to like a slowdown. But I think like there was like other things I could add in to keep increasing. But then I just I just decided to do supplements. What's your what's your mindset on these big lifts? Uh, do you feel like you need to prove yourself to anybody? Is it just you proving yourself? Uh, to yourself um are you uh is there anything that happened in your life where you're like i want to show people like what's up type of deal or it's just you just absolutely just enjoying lifting and loving the process of powerlifting? um I, like there's nothing that like happened that makes me want to like prove it um i just always wanted to be i guess the best so it's kind of proving it is kind of like to myself and like to other people's like whenever i see someone like uh i get compared to like taylor atwood a lot Mm. because like he's like natural goat and like everyone's like oh like um uh like they like atwood's doing like these crazy numbers but he's natural too and he's like two weight classes below um so like when i see that it like it kind of fires me up a little bit i'm like okay like i'm gonna hit like something big to 
like kind of shut them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe uh, just to like maybe uh, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe uh, one of your goals is to kind of like um, just have your numbers be so good that they speak for themselves and they stand up to anything anybody else has ever done. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Like I think um, I don't know if that'll ever happen like going back to like what we said earlier like with the lebron versus michael jordan kind of conversations like no matter what michael or lebron does like there will always be that conversation even like kobe Bryant in that conversation of who the goat is um so i think it's it's impossible to ever like shut everyone up with your numbers but um i just want to do as much as i can to like kind of etch my name in like the history of piloting yeah, to beat Ed Cohn, you'll just have to do a thousand across the board on each lift. Yeah. <laughs> and even so, there'll be some people like, oh, yeah. he was the best. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, people grow up with these people, you yeah. know, people grew up with Jordan, you know, people grew up with uh, some of these legendary athletes that they've had from the past. So uh, there's no way anyone else can compare to Muhammad Ali because that person remembers what it was like when they saw him and how inspired they were by them. Mm-hmm. And maybe because of someone like yourself coming onto the scene, uh, and older folks seeing some of the younger lifters, they might not think is it's as inspiring because they're not in the same spot in their life. So they're like, this guy's not as good as that guy. LeBron ain't the same as Jordan. Um, I think most people can kind of admit that like LeBron James is just on another level in terms of his uh, abilities and capabilities. Um, I do think that in order to be considered great in the reference that we're kind of referring here to today, it's not only important to uh, prove yourself, um, but it's also important to continue to not only prove yourself, but to be able to improve yourself when you're already really fucking good uh, and maybe even already great, and then to do it for a long period of time. When you start to see somebody, you're like, oh my God, that guy has won worlds in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, 17 years ago mm-hmm. and he's still here. Like, I don't know what that guy is made out of. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's still competing. He's still here. So I think, you know, not that you have to do things for that long. Um, you already have broken a lot of all time, uh, world records and your numbers already do speak for themselves, but it will help the longer that you can hang around and the longer that you can compete at a high level. Mm-hmm. That's when people really start. They'll they'll just have no choice. Yeah, they'll just have to. They'll have to recognize and they'll have to see uh, that you're one of the best. Yeah, but to like add on to not just like proving it to myself and to other people. I think it's just motivation. Just comes from just enjoying the sport. In the end, like I I like going to the gym every day and train with friends. So um, if you don't have that, you're not gonna do like do well in whatever sport you play or activity and that can't be understated because that's going to be the thing that you're going to be doing most of the time mm-hmm. competing's one or two days every every competition is just one or two days but then the training is every single week mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy that like you have to have enjoyment in hitting the prs like i think everyone would have enjoyment from hitting the prs but you have to have the enjoyment of hitting like the the three sets of eight yeah have you done any uh, big weight cuts before oh yeah um so before we go any further, I don't advise anyone to do a weight cut, that, especially a newer lifter. So if you're a newer lifter, I know it's easy for people to be like, oh, I just miss a meal or two and I'm going to just go for the weight that you lift on the platform. Don't worry about any sort of weight cut. 
But having said that, um, how and none of this is an actual recommendation. This is just what John has done, his own experience he's going to share with you. What, how have you uh, cut weight and what is the biggest and most successful weight cut you've done? And have you run into any like real dangers with it? Um, so I don't know if I've ever like cut to the point where I'm like, oh, I should probably like go to the hospital. But uh, probably, like, probably like getting close to where... It was like, mm, this is like, it's not safe what I'm doing. Mm. Um, typically, I start like water loading. I don't really drink water. <laughs> like my friends give me crap for it because I'll, I'll like, I'll drink like pre-workout. The monsters and shit. Monsters yeah. are pre-workout. And um, so like two weeks out, I'll start drinking like a gallon a day. And then uh, so if weigh-ins are like Friday, the Sunday before, I'll go up to like one and a half. Monday will be one and a half, and then Tuesday will be two gallons, Wednesday will be two gallons, and then I'll do like a half gallon on Thursday. This method, by the way, helps your body to release uh, a diuretic uh, hormone that helps you to, in the end, uh, get rid of more liquid than what you put in. So it might seem kind of confusing, but uh, you'll be able to pull an additional weight off of your body. Uh, by basically excreting it out because you'll be producing this hormone. Um, do you drink like distilled water or is it just like whatever kind of water? So I start, um, so early in the week, it's, um, I also do the same thing with uh, like sodium. I up my sodium levels. Um, so basically what you're doing is you're, there's the two hormones. There's, uh, I think one of them is vasopressin and I don't remember the, the name of the other one, but like one handles uh, how much uh, sodium your body excretes mm. and how much fluids you excrete and you're trying to like raise those levels and basically then your body like once you cut sodium and the fluids your body still has those levels high and you basically okay. flush everything out and um so that's like kind of so the first layer is like your fluids just doing a water load second layer would be like sodium loading and then the third layer is cutting back on carbs because the Glycogen from the carbs retains water. Once you start cutting that down, it'll start flushing more water out. And um, basically, that'll like usually get me down about eight pounds or so. And then I'll um, sauna the night before. Mm. Sauna, um, suck on like Jolly Ranchers and spit into a cup for the last whatever weight I need to do. Magnesium citrate? I've tried that. Um, I don't like it. I actually do. Um, I don't know the name of it. I got it from, uh, so I was coached by Joey Flex and, um, it's like some like herbal tea that kind of cleans out your system. It's uh, like a coached by Joey Flex. Yes. That's interesting. Cause Joey Flex, I think first got into powerlifting from one of the seminars that I did at Barbell Brigade and I did a seminar with you at Barbell Brigade. Yep. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You, get, you ever try like those super dieters tea or anything like that? Anything to make you blow out any extra weight because it makes you just like shit like crazy? Uh, so that, that like kind of like is like a colon, colon cleanse. I'll do that like Wednesday night. Um, but it's, I, I've done the magnesium citrate and it just kind of upsets my stomach. Oh, it just, yeah, rips, rips you right apart. Yeah. When did you start um, kind of just doing like, because you were working, I don't know how long you were working with Joey. Um, he works with a lot of lifters, mm -hmm. but when did you start like doing your own programming for yourself? So I, um, I kind of started as doing my own programming mm -hmm. and I would like just do like programs I found online, like five through one, like 
Q method. I think that was that was kind of like what most people did mm-hmm. at that time is like they would do those those programs um by like big names and then like after that like online coaching kind of started taking off cuz like Instagram became a big thing. Mm-hmm. And um so I worked with Jason Manikoff and Joey and I I would always do my own thing during the off season, yeah. but I would have them like uh peak me for a meet. Mm-hmm. And then um so once I left the the IPF um because of like the rule and Joey was on the the world team coaching staff so he was kind of like oh I don't know if I can like be at a meet with you uh or I, I can't be seen being at a meet with you <laughs> at least yeah yeah uh so I was kind of like okay like if you can't be there meet day like I'll just do my own thing and yeah. um I kind of like now my my training is kind of uh it t- it takes inspiration from both of them and then also mm-hmm. like what I did before and just kind of all like figured out what works for me. Nice. Cool. And uh, so JC in the live chat had asked, um, how are you balancing a full-time job with, I mean, being a full-time uh, powerlifter? Um, honestly, like it doesn't take, it, it's not that hard to be a lifter. It's just like, as, as long as like, since I enjoy lifting, it is my hobby mm. in a sense. So it's just like, how do you balance any other hobby that you do? That you're one of the best of the world at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I don't do, I feel like I don't do anything like different than. Feel it. Yeah. Do you I, get, do you get mad? Do I get mad? You seem like just super, <laughs> super calm. Like, like all these questions that we're asking you, uh, there's almost like a lot of deflection. Like you bring, you don't, you don't allow any of the things that were thrown at you to have any like weight or merit. <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't get like, I'll I'll get mad at like little things, but um, I don't like have like roid rage kind of like oh like <laughs> actually it's interesting before it seem like you don't have a lot of stress I guess yeah. yeah like before lifts sometimes you see lifters like they're like oh, you know they they get themselves amped up mm-hmm. is that the type of lifter you are are you more calm before you get a big lift well, how do you process um, that it's kind of like a like calm but focus like if you've ever seen the movie like X Men First Class. Yeah, you know when like Charles Xavier is explaining to uh, Magneto like how to like turn the thing. He's like, I think like the key to like power is being like somewhere in between like rage and like uh, tranquility. Mm-hmm. I kind of like try and find that spot where I'm like, I'm fo- I'm clear, like I'm hyped, but I'm like clear minded, mm-hmm. and like the only thing that exists is me in that bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't channel that kind of energy unless you're. Unless you are focused and unless you are kind of calm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to kind of, you know, people get real emotional. And we've talked about it before on the show that you're usually when you're getting like super hyped, it's because you know that there's a good, great likelihood that the lift is going to get the better of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're just trying to like, I guess, talk yourself into like that you're going to be able to somehow uh, have this like Herculean effort and you're going to be able to make the lift and everyone's, the crowd's going to go crazy. And For love sure. it, love exactly. you forever. <laughs> That's the cool thing about that too, is like, you can replicate that. Like that's something that you can consistently go to. Cause you see a lot of lifters, they'll scream, they'll bang and trying to pull up all that energy before a lift consistently. Mm-hmm. That's will stress you out. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, actually like going back to, um, when we talked about like missed lifts, um, usually if I'm going to miss a lift, it's actually like kind of like in the middle of a train cycle. I rarely miss the, like the last heavy one. Mm. And even then, I actually, in the gym, my last heavy is usually going to be heavier than what my 
plant their attempt is going to be. Mm. So like in the meat, because I know like I'm going to like lose. I I count it's for also like, very rare. Yeah. Most high level people they'll say, oh, you know, I took you know five ten percent less in the gym and hit more weight on the platform, and you're sometimes hitting some big weights in the gym. Yeah, because I I know like I'm gonna there's probably going to be some strength loss from like the water cut or the mm. weight cut and everything. And I want to go into my third attempt being like very confident in the lift. Since we were talking about water cuts, meat day rehydration. How do you handle that? Um, so usually I'll get a, I'll get an IV and, uh, it was actually kind of funny with the last meat cause I didn't have that big of a cut. Like my current cut was way bigger, mm-hmm. but, um, when I was getting the IV, I actually passed out. Mm. <laughs> um, but like, and everyone was like freaking out. They're like, oh my God, John had like such a big cut. But like, no, like I've, I'll sometimes do that. Like, I don't know why. It's just my body reacts to it. Um, <laughs> but I usually just try and like, if I lose like 16 pounds in water, I try and drink at least like, that's it's about eight pounds a gallon. So I usually try and drink at least two gallons. And then, um, Big focus is on sodium and carbs, those two things that you, you cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, avoid fats for the most part. And then I try and get like a four grams of carbs to one gram of protein ratio because that kind of helps open up the, the pathways for your absorption. It's wow. a gnarly feeling when that weight starts to come back on you and you oh, start, yeah. you start like... filling out. You're like, holy fuck. It, it's hard to sleep because you're like... I feel like I need to, I need to use all this right now. Oh, uh, see, so yeah, like sometimes it doesn't hit me until like second squat. Like mm-hmm. I'll feel like, um, oh, and also like I, I'll, I'll try and go for like 700 grams of carbs like during that day. It's just like as much carbs as I can get, but mm-hmm. that's kind of like, I go for like a nice round number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, meat day like sometimes like during squats like my legs will feel like almost like jello but then like once i start kind of creeping up and it seems like doing that work like almost like flushes like the glycogen back into my muscles Mm -hmm. and then it's like okay now i feel strong you're like feel full wow power thing meets are really interesting like you don't really hear a whole lot of anything until after people are done with their squats (laughs) like everyone's like pretty like focused a lot of people are nervous um it just it smells like uh like ben gay and old fat sweaty guys pretty much <laughs> on test me you can smell the oil in the air yeah and and, and, and <laughs> yeah. uh yeah and chalk and baby powder it's got this weird particular smell to it you'll get you'll get some head nods you know people will give you a little what's like up? what's up thing a couple fist bumps here and there but like people are pretty like anxious but once the squats are over everyone starts yapping away like oh my god i did this in my prep <laughs> that's true because i mean bench is kind of boring too so you're kind of like oh, yeah, you just need, laying down need to pass it. the time yeah awesome man well thank you so much uh for your time today um i guess kind of last thing is do you do any uh sort of like cardio sort of sort of training of any kind do you not really mess around with any the light jogging uh in the off season i'll like do a little bit of light jog and then I'll like I'll just walk my dog and that's usually kind of the extent of it. Plenty, plenty yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Andrew, take us on out of here, buddy. Before we oh, get out, just kidding. Before we get out, Mark, I don't know if I can hop your ass on the table, but <laughs> oh, it's not the Crocs. It's more so these ripstop joggers. Here we go. All I'm right, so this is what Crocs I'm there though. Huh? I'm pretty. 
impressed by the Crocs. Like, uh, a little bit more I fucking love towards Encima. But like towards Encima, towards Encima. <laughs> I can kind of see it. Check out Mark Shorts. They're from a company called Viore. They're the best gym clothes that you're ever going to be able to have. I'm being fucking serious. You're going to be, you're almost not going to want to wear them in the gym because they look so nice. Mm-hmm. Like I could work out in these. Sure. I actually hike in these too. But then you but, don't work out. But yeah, I don't work out. But anyway, guys, they're so comfortable. You put me on them. Um, yeah, they're they're great. And the uh, the fart pouch is amazing. The uh, charcoal uh, technology that they have. I didn't the, get those. You guys didn't get those pants. Oh, those are the newer the pants. Fuck? I think they said they're not coming out for a little while. I think get still, the stuff first. How does Mark always get all the cool yeah, shit they're first? Still working out as a filter type of thing. Oh my! But anyway, gosh. all the clothes they have available on their website are amazing. Uh, they're going to make you look good. They're going to make you feel good during your training sessions. They fit right. And uh, you got to get, you got to go check it out. Yeah. Actually, I wore this shirt for the podcast, but I was a little bit early. So I ended up walking into the gym, hit a couple of sets, and then I'm still wearing it. And it feels amazing. Um, if you guys want to uh, check it out, head over to V-U-O-R-I. So it's Viori.com slash power project. To be safe, you want to do VioriClothing.com slash power project. Because sometimes it's weird, but. Mm. So yeah, either one. Do either one. Either way, links will be down in the description as well as the podcast show notes. But when you guys go there, uh, you'll receive 20% off your First order. Uh, I'm wearing the Strato Tech tee. That's my favorite T-shirt, and it's amazing. It feels incredible. Uh, again, links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes. And again, thank you everybody for checking out today's episode. Uh, we had a lot of people in the, in the chat room, so Ooh. we really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Make sure you hit the like button uh, on your way out, and please follow the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram at MB Power Project on TikTok and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter's at I am Andrew Z at the Andrew Z on TikTok and Sima where you be. And Sima Inyang on Instagram and YouTube, and Sima Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Mr. Hack. Oh, I am uh, Bilbo underscore Swaggins. boy. Do you got to explain that real quick? Like, why Bilbo Swaggins? Oh, I just thought it was funny. It is funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, drinking one night, and uh, someone asked me, like, oh, what's your street name? Thinking, like, oh, rap name. I'm like, oh, Bilbo Swaggins. And they're like, no, like, what street do you live that on? That is getting... a great rap name, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Bilbo Swaggins. Yeah, and then I was like, that's a funny name. I'm going to change my Instagram to that. And then... Kept it ever since. Everyone asked me, like, oh, when are you going to make it Bilbo Swaggins 198? And I actually have it, but it's kind of a pain in the ass to change it because you have to, like, wait, like, two weeks before it's available. <laughs> like, I, I can, like, drop that name from the other account, mm-hmm. but it's, like, it's safe for, like, two weeks. And I'm like, I'm going to forget it. Yeah. And then I'm going to lose both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. So it's Bilbo underscore, underscore Swaggins 181. Yes. Okay. Because there's a couple other ones out there now. Yeah. Fuckers. I know. <laughs> and you do some programming for people? Uh yes. So um and people just what DM you or email you? Either either DM or email. Um email is jhack30 at gmail. There you go. Thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. Awesome having you here at Super Training. Yeah, thanks for having me. I felt I was nervous because you've had like such like <laughs> informative guests and I'm like, oh I just lift lift things. Yeah. No, you're, well, you're really fucking amazing at it. Yeah, Uh, You're inspiring and motivating to all of us. So thank you for uh, fucking smashing those big weights all the time. (laughs) Appreciate it. Amazing to watch. I I do it for you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That means, it means uh, something different now that I get when I watch those videos. Just cut out that bite and Mm -hmm. put that as a video and... And then bam. And then, but he also watched Sarmageddon, so you're welcome. I did. You you set me on the path of uh, the untested. Where, I love it. Where yeah. were your hands when you were watching Sarmageddon? <laughs> that's kind of the key factor there. Ooh. Uh, well, I... And that's all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you guys later.